Welcome to this week's edition of For the Love of the Frame. My name's Tim, and sitting to my left, the man with a suspiciously tall chef hat and a raccoon <laughs> tail coming out, Ian. Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> I do I do all my own work. You just suddenly became very, very adept <laughs> with your hands in cutting things. I didn't know what to make of it. Don't think too much of it. Okay. <laughs> this is a new pen, I just realized. It has a little cap on it. Wow. <laughs> Way to play along with the bit. <laughs> also with us, it's <laughs> a man who does not have a raccoon tail sticking out of his, under his hat, Aaron. He's just wearing a raccoon yeah, skin he, hat. He's just wearing, <laughs> that's just what I wear. <laughs> we are here, um, we're doing a little mini series on some of the Best Picture nominees. Last week we did Top Gun Maverick. And this week we're doing Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, um, which is nominated for 11 Oscars. Um, we'll find out in a couple of weeks uh, how many of those uh, will be winners. I wrote out the list here. Uh, it's nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh, uh, Best Supporting Actress twice with Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hu. Um we have best editing, costume design, screenplay, original score, original song, hmm. director, director, and yeah. supporting actor. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So this has a pretty good chance of being the most decorated movie. We'll we'll see how the night goes, but uh, I know it's at least a favorite or co-favorite in several of those categories. Um, and just among the three of us, it's a movie we've seen and uh, have been circling this for uh, a while now. <laughs> this movie came out, uh, it premiered at South By last year oh, in 2022. Yeah, it huh. had its debut at South By. Um, so it's been out for not quite a year. Um, this is a, an earlier Oscar. Usually, I think, you know, most, of them, most Oscar movies come out later in the year. This one came out earlier. Um, and I think was a surprise hit. Um, I was reading, it's the, uh, largest grossing, uh, four movie. Um, it hit the hundred million dollar mark and it passed uncut gems as the mm. highest grossing four mm. movie. Um, and for a movie as weird as this, uh, I think that is a bit of a surprise. Um, and oh, that makes me happy. Yeah, that's I know th this is a. I think a couple of podcasts ago we were talking about how word of mouth isn't as much of a thing in the internet era. I think Aaron, you were saying that. I forget what movie we were talking about. Yeah. Oh, it was Slumdog. Mm. I think you were saying Slumdog was. It had a lot yeah. of word of mouth, uh, yeah. and it was before. Right. Uh, you could just jump on the internet and read reviews, right, or, right. or you know, see what Reddit thought if you were Ian. <laughs> um, but I think this movie was very buzzy. Um, mm. this movie definitely, I, I had heard of it. I watched the trailer. I thought, wow, that looks weird. I wanted to see it, but you know, it is weird. I wouldn't, it wouldn't like high on my list. Yeah. And just the, the buzz and the amount of people who just kept talking it up. Um, and not just from like critic circles, but just 
for me anyway, I heard it in, in a lot of different areas and, um, yeah, I don't know. Like where'd you guys first encounter it? Yeah, I saw it. Ooh. Oh no, I meant to see it in theaters, but I never <laughs> actually did. So I didn't see it in theaters and I ended up watching it at home by myself one night and it just, <laughs> it just blew my mind. I, I loved it. I have a pretty good, pretty good. Anybody who's ever been over to my apartment knows that I have a pretty good uh, setup. <laughs> That's the problem. They never invite us. So I guess we'll just take your word for it. It's pretty good. Just Is it just your phone leaned against the wall? I actually have. It's like in the office. I have like a little holder for my phone on the wall and I just, I can like bring it out a tiny bit. If I'm in the kitchen, I can swivel it over there. Just, it's a really great setup. Put your AirPods in, get the surround sound. But then, so I watched it, it was sometime last summer and then I just went with Tim and his wife and we watched it in theaters whenever they re-released it at Alamo which is cool to see it in theaters. And then we just watched it again recently for the podcast. So I've seen it three times now mm. and once in theaters. So you did see it in the theater. I did just, see it in uh, theaters. Yeah. Eventually. Just, eventually. Just, yeah. Just a little late. Was it as good as your home setup? Uh, almost. <laughs> almost. It was almost as good as my home setup. <laughs> there is, there's something nice about watching a movie at home. Like I like the theater, <laughs> but I don't know. I might like being at home better. Mm. I'm the opposite. I was, really? You like going to the theater? I love seeing things mm. in the theater. Yeah. But yeah, for me, I don't remember hearing much about this movie. And I honestly don't remember like where, like what made me go see it. And, um, but I do remember I saw it with my wife on Mother's Day in the theater. And I was actually trying to remember driving here. Like, how did I pull that off? Because she's not. <laughs> I was kind of wondering that yeah, too. Actually. Yeah. Movies are, movies are pretty low on her list. I, th I actually think someone told her about this and she wanted to see it. And now it's kind of coming back to me. And I think I kind of grabbed onto that, like, Oh, a chance to see a movie together. Cause it's, it's pretty unusual. And, um, so she was up for it. We went to dinner and then we went to see this and, um, where'd you guys go to dinner? I don't remember. <laughs> Did you pitch her on seeing it at Ian's apartment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she'd yeah, go to more that, movies. Was that an option? Yeah. Maybe if Ian would have made dinner. <laughs> yeah. You want to go eat rice and beans and beans? <laughs> rice and chicken. Oh, rice and chicken. Uh, but I remember I was telling you guys last night when we watched it again. Um, I just remember. I don't. I haven't cried like that in a movie in a while. It just hit me uh, in multiple ways, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, this movie really affected me and. I knew because there's so many different like just relationship dynamics at play and so many generational things. And I knew the, the mother daughter stuff um, would speak to my wife. And I just remember I was like, just tears are just streaming down. I look over at her tears are streaming down <laughs> her face. Um, it ended and we were just like, that was awesome. <laughs> like, that's, that I've only, so I've seen a lot of great movies and the Oscars aren't typically something on my radar, but I remember this and only one other movie, as soon as they ended, I just remember thinking, this is the best picture this yeah. year. Mm -hmm. It was this one and um, 
there will be blood. I remember yeah. I saw that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as soon as it mm-hmm. ended, I was just like, it's just everything that I yeah. like. Which is impressive for this one too, because it was so early. Yeah. Right. And um, I was curious about that. Like what else would come out and if it could, it kind of felt like, um, you know, at a horse race, a horse gets a big early lead. Mm-hmm. Can it hold it? Can it hold that lead? Um, I was like, this is going to be a massive lead, but I was curious to see what else would come out. Mm. And I, I think there's some uh, genuine competition. Um, and I think we'll talk about those in uh, some Weeks more podcasts. Yeah. But uh, this is still my favorite. There Will Be Blood didn't win. Yeah, so ominous uh that <laughs> <laughs> doesn't bode well <laughs> i'm so sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny you say that because i was saying a few minutes ago i was very aware of this movie i was very aware of the buzz and fully intended to see it um seeing movies is something my wife and i like to do together i was skeptical that she would like it and we watched the trailer and she kind of put on a smile and said, oh, yeah, that looks good. And I'm just like, you're just saying that, you know. Um, and it wasn't until your wife mm. loved it. because She's not the kind of person who would love yeah. a weird, abstract kind of movie. It's yeah. just not and her. And she won't say she does if she doesn't. Yeah. 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 And so when she had such a profound reaction to it, that's when I was like, mm. I need to. This has got to be something unusual or I'm. I'm putting it in a box, preemptively judging it and putting it in a box. And I remember I went to see it. Uh, I forget. I just had like a slow day at work or something and just had like a gap in my schedule. And mm-hmm. I think um, my wife and kids were at Schlitterbahn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I had. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and I was out of th- the, the movie was like almost out of theaters at that point. Mm-hmm. This was in June. And I was one of two people in the theater. Like I was bummed because I was the only one in the theater and then right before it started and another guy came in, I was like, Duh. like seeing a movie alone in a theater. <laughs> yeah. That's like the ultimate. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I've pulled it off once. I've been able to do it once. Did the guy sit next to you? No. Did he walk in <laughs> right next to you? That would have been yeah. right next to you. And I, I, I still vividly remember like it was the, the bizarro up sequence when she's in the elevator and she first puts those things on Uh, and she gets transported back to like being born. Mm -hmm. It's just like this like three or four minute, which like that up sequence, that famous up sequence when it's showing uh, their relationship and it's like a tearjerker, but not the happy ways. (laughs) It's like this dysfunctional father daughter thing, all like no dialogue, all just, you know, shown through the vignette. And it, it just like, I don't know, it, it was mm. powerful. And even, I didn't even have like a personal connection yeah. in, in the, it wasn't my story, but I just grabbed me. And for the rest of that movie, um, I just, I had like a very, I was glad I was alone. <laughs> Except for that one <laughs> other guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just like, I remember texting my wife, like as soon as I got out and I'm just like, she's at Schlitterbahn and I'm like, <laughs> just random stream of thoughts, these like three paragraph texts and just, you know, and it was just like, we got to see this. And Mm. I had heard, we had visited or had lunch with, with my mother-in-law. She had seen this 11 times in the theater. Dang. That's 11. I I think it was 11 times. Um, 
Which is was she, another curiosity. Is she much of a movie person? No. Is she, okay. So this just It just, and her. she went over and over and yeah. over and over and wow. over. And so two days later, I went and saw it again with my wife and at the draft house. And it was like, it, it was an experience. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to embarrass my wife publicly, but it was, uh, yeah, she had a reaction to the film. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So I guess this is a long-winded way of saying I saw it three times total in the theater and then once now at home. And I still get things out of it every time. Yeah. I I think the first couple of times, so many personal reference points mm. between my family, my wife's family, and just people around us that it was overwhelming from like that perspective. And then the last couple of times, like that part's been more muted because it's you just can't keep mm-hmm. going back to that well without it, you know, diminishing somewhat. Right. And so I think just more of the straight up looking at it critically the way I would any movie without as many personal reference points. And so it's almost like rediscovering it and, and, or appreciating it in a different way maybe. Um, and so I, I don't know. It just, it feels like there's so many riches for me anyway. Like there's mm. so much going on. It's overwhelming at first. Um, that's part of why I, I just admire the film because it's overwhelming, but you can go along with the ride. I never felt confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just the kind of person who doesn't feel the need to like pin down time travel or jumping or multiverse yeah. and the physics of it or the, like I, I'm very easy to suspend disbelief. I don't care about that. And so from just a storytelling device, I just accept it. And it just, I feel, Feared, I think, going in that it was so abstract or so mm-hmm. kind of... I, I tend not to like multiverse stuff or... I know this isn't time travel, but time travel is not my, one of my favorite storytelling tropes because it's just... You end up getting these weird spots of... It just isn't, like, satisfying to me. Um, but this just worked for me, and I know you guys feel similarly. Um and so maybe like as we kind of get into it more, <laughs> few movies have a better title or like a mm-hmm. fitting title as mm-hmm. everything everywhere all at once. Like even trying to talk about this movie, it feels like <laughs> yeah. it's everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And our task before us is to try to, to pull apart some threads. Um, and so I, I don't want to to over direct it. Um, and so... I think I, we, we all want to get into some plot points and, and what the movie's saying because there's a lot there, but there's also a lot, and I know we were talking a little bit last night, but just some technical aspects or just there's so much to admire about the film. And so I just wanted to just pick your brains, like just pick one thing <laughs> or a couple things that you just find interesting, you know, not really getting in yet to the story part of it. Yeah, I so... When I think of, like I said, um, There Will Be Blood and then this movie, they both like, there's a lot of movies that are great at multiple facets of um, like great filmmaking. And I think this, you can see in the nominations, you know, directing, acting, editing, costumes, music, um, screenplay. And... I think that's one of the reasons to see this movie and why it is one of like we were saying last night, like it, it's going to be one of the best of the decade. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's going to end up being that 
and it just nails, uh, you know, we were talking the camera work and the way that they edit and, and use, um, you know, the, the medium of film and, and motion picture, uh, to, as part of like the storytelling there, there's, um, it's not just like cutesy tricks or like, look, mm-hmm. this is cool. Look what we can do. It's not just like showing off for the sake of, you know, it's like the Jurassic Park. You didn't stop to think. <laughs> you just thought we can do it. You didn't stop to think if we should do it. And this one, it uses some really cool tricks and editing and nifty camera work. But it's all integrated into the story and it actually serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, like you're saying, like this movie, I, I totally get it. If someone says this movie is overwhelming. Yeah. I understand that. But I think kind of what you were framing up, Tim, it, ha- it, it certainly has a lot of elements, but they all have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can track with it, and I don't blame anyone who, who would like struggle with that. I, I get it. I, I myself, I, I'd only seen it twice. And when we saw it in the theater, I was trying to kind of like figure out, the, okay, wait, how does this jumping thing work? And it was like maybe 20, 30 minutes in, it kind of hit me. I was like, I don't think I need yeah. to get that for this movie. And I just let it go. And then I was able to track the rest yeah. of the movie. And um, yeah, I think that's what I would, if you find this movie overwhelming, you know, to the best of your ability, kind of pick a thread and then, you know, like let it kind of lead you through the movie more than trying to like, okay, what is this jumping thing? And what, why is it like all these different <laughs> why are they doing all this live, weird stuff? <laughs> yeah. Cameras like, yeah, it is different elements, but yeah, I guess, like you were saying, the kind of technical elements of it, um, the editing, it's, it's it's incredibly well done, and um, I love how it's integrated into the yeah. telling the story itself. Yeah, I noticed one shot in particular, and I didn't notice it the other times that I've watched it, because there is so much stuff. I mean, I, I feel like I could watch it again tomorrow and probably would pick up on new stuff, but there was there's one part where it, the camera kind of lingers on the, on these stairs for just a second. And that it, that's like a huge setting for a later part in the movie. And I didn't realize that before. I didn't even realize that it's in the same place necessarily because mm-hmm. it changes so much, but there's a part where it just lingers just for, it's just that like just long enough to it. It's a little bit longer, but if you're not really looking for it, then you won't notice it. And mm-hmm. it, it's just little stuff like that. That is so incredible. But um, yeah, I mean, I agree with all that stuff. I think that there's so much that they do so well. And I think for me, I feel like everything that they put in this movie, cause it has a lot, like it has a lot of this like Kung Fu kind of action and like, but they do that really well. It's not like they feel like that that's done cheesily. And then they have like, like the dialogue is done really well. And even like the, the, even the multiverse stuff it feels like every aspect that they tried to put into it, they worked really hard on. And I I just really appreciate that. It it just seems like every single thing, it's like every single frame of the movie was thought out, which is Mm -hmm. incredible for a movie that's over two hours. Um, And I I think one of the other things too, is that at the end of the day, it really is just a movie. It's like, it's just about a very common family. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so interesting about it. I mean, it's a great use of sci-fi or, you know, whatever you want to call it, I guess it would be sci-fi because it really is just about this normal family, 
but it's not, I feel like most of the A24 films are like Oscar nominated films. If it's about a normal family, it's going to be some like super depressing, like Mm. uh, the whale didn't get nominated, but it's going to be something like that, you know? Um, and this just, it doesn't feel like that. It's telling this like huge story, but at the same time, it's really this like very small story about this family. And I think I really appreciated that, that at its roots, it's actually telling something like very relatable, very simple. Um, and it's using all these kind of crazy storytelling devices to do that. But at the end of the day, it's about people that we can really relate to. I mean, whether like you're from a different country or not, like I think just a lot of the struggles that they have are things that we can all relate to because a lot of it is like relational in the family or like close to the family and just kind of trying to get by really. And I really appreciated that, that they're able to highlight those, those small things, but then kind of blow them up. Like they feel like they're such a big deal in our lives whenever we're dealing with stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I, I agree. Like the, the craftsmanship all around is just marvelous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you appreciate it the more times you see it because mm. you can really dial into the details. Once you know the plot, you understand where it's going, you're just freed up mm. to just pay attention to nuance and it, it holds up. Yeah. It's just all it these really little does. things. Like every little thing is thought about every yeah. little, I mean, there's, there's just tons of placement uh, and Things that if they weren't there, no one would have mattered or mm. no one would have cared or noticed, but it's just like that labor of love. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, just, we were talking even last night about just, you know, when they, the, the rapid editing of all her, Evelyn's mm-hmm. faces and all these different, you know, you know, probably 200 images yeah. in the span of two seconds. Oh, at least, yeah. Right, at least. Got, I would guess like a thousand um, or something. Yeah, maybe when I get to my fifteenth viewing, I'll get right, my, yeah, my, I'll get the counter out and I'll yeah, go frame by frame. Um, you know, and, and it's just like that's a lot of work yeah. to 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 get the makeup and there, get it the it's look, costume to do and, it, yeah. costume, a snapshot, and then okay, next, next one, and you do yeah. it. And, I mean, that's probably days, if not weeks, of work for yeah. a couple seconds in the movie. Um, but it's saying something and right. it's there and, and it's, it's almost like they, there's a vision and they're going to go about doing it. And even if it's sort of painstaking or inconvenient or, oh yeah, maybe we go 50% here and it's, ah, you know, we can live with that. It's like, you got the feeling that they just went all out yeah, and right. not necessarily blowing out the budget, you know, but just yeah. all out from a we're going to tell the richest version of this story with the tools and means available to us. We're willing to work hard to do that. It felt like a labor of love. And I think in a lot of ways, like the highest compliment I can give, <laughs> it's almost like, like what you're saying, Aaron, like when you saw it, like I marvel at the mind in the creative yeah. mind. Like I ha- I don't have that remotely in me. Right. And in a certain way, like I'm not a filmmaker, so any movie feels like a mem- like a miracle to me. <laughs> but like this one, it's just like it's so. How does this spring out of like a human mind or mm. human? Th- it's, it's just to have the vision, the idea, and to be able to carry it through at that level it is a complete like yeah. miracle to me. I, I cannot come close to comprehending it or like identifying with it. It's so 
far above like where my mind goes or the yeah. kind of flexibility my mind has. So I can appreciate it. I can watch and love it and marvel at it. But like some movies, it's just like, okay, that, that, I couldn't do that because I'm not talented that way. But it's like, I could see how someone could. Yeah. This movie, I, I, it's just, I don't know where it came from. I and mean, clearly it did, but it's so many weird, <laughs> like the way it, like I understand like straightforward, straightforward storytelling and then things that are abstract and weird. It's almost like you have a license to kind of be, <laughs> it's almost like the weirder you are, the more you don't get it. And the more it's like, well, that's the point. And then there's like 2% of people who are like, that makes perfect sense. And mm-hmm. And that 2% is Aaron and my wife and they explained it to me and I'm just like, okay, I'm glad someone gets it, but you know, that just wasn't for me. Um, and this movie somehow knit those things Mm. together where it's very, I don't think it's from a narrative perspective. Yeah. It didn't feel that. It's a pretty simple story. It's a pretty simple story. Narrative wise. Yeah. It's not abstract in that way, right. but then it's using all of these other ways that are silly and juvenile in some places, yeah. which should not work in a serious movie, mm-hmm. but it's almost like uh, we talked about in our podcast on Jojo Rabbit, how mm-hmm. like the treatment of Hitler being, <laughs> you know, yeah. with the way Taika Waititi played him, and some people that scanned as like offensive mm. or, you know, you're trivializing this monster, this historic monster. But we were kind of, as we talked about, I think we all agreed that like the treatment of him being that way was actually like a, it was just the silliness worked with the movie because it wasn't treating the seriousness of the Holocaust or the treatment of the Jews in World War II lightly. It, it was actually making it more devastating. Like, like it just, it was a, a way of achieving that. And, and I think in this movie, it's a similar thing where the silliness and the weirdness and the Kung Fu and all the parts that are like, okay, like, you know, where's this coming from? But right. it actually knits together to underscore like what the movie's even saying, which mm-hmm. I know you were saying earlier. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I think you, it can be really helpful to have a certain amount of, of absurdity in stories. Yeah. If you're, if you want people to get to see normal life in a different way, like in a different light, because our lives really are ridiculous in a lot of different ways, but we just get so used to them that it's like, we're just, we're blind to all the ridiculousness, but it really is. I mean, it's just, there's so many, I mean, even just like the fact that like, I don't know, just picking a random thing. It's like, I think I learned this, I don't know, I heard this the other day, but like Nick Saban is like, because he's the, because he's, um, he teaches or he coaches at a, a state school. He's like the highest paid government official in the U.S. is Nick Saban, which is like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's ridiculous. That's like, we say we're all about efficiency. Makes and perfect like, sense to me. Yeah, well, yeah. Count the rings. <laughs> that, there's just so much that is so ridiculous about our lives that we just accept it. And I think you need a certain amount of absurdity to be yeah. able to like pull sure. that veil back a little bit. Like, have you guys ever read any of Chesterton's fiction? Yeah, no. I have. The man who would be called the man Tuesday. Who is Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. yeah, I just read that oh, a okay. couple of days ago. We'll have and to talk about it. Yeah, I read uh, one of his other ones a few years ago, and I love them. But they're they're so weird. Yeah, they get weird. They get super weird. But he's kind of doing the same thing, where yeah. he's pulling them in, in this absurdity. 
to make you look at your own life and realize that like, oh, all these things that we think are normal, they're actually really weird if you think about them. And yeah. that like unlocks something about your normal life and makes you look at it in any way. Yeah. Something I was thinking, listening to you guys, and it's what we've already said, but maybe just a different angle on it. Like so much of, so much of movies, it really is this like collaborative process. It's one of the more collaborative arts where you just have, you, it really relies on multiple creative people, multiple artists uh, making something and then it all kind of coming together. You have the acting, the music, the costume, the set, the directing, um, editing, all you know, the cinematography, camera work. You know, they're, they're all like exercising their creativity in different ways and it all has to come together. Mm. And I feel like most movies there seems to be one high, like it's about the directing or it's about mm. the acting or it's about, man, the, the visuals of this movie are incredible, you mm. know? And it's, it, it seems like most movies, there seems to be like one of those that's kind of like the centerpiece and everything supports it. Mm. And this is, in my opinion, a rare movie that they're all, it's like a super team. It's like, yeah. they're all kind of like doing their thing at a high level. And you could point to several of them and be like, this is an, this is an incredible example of this aspect of filmmaking. Mm. And it's not like there's one um, kind of like lead and the, the rest are supporting. It's like they're, they all, it's hard for me to, to pinpoint what I would say is like, what is the best aspect of the, mm -hmm. the acting's incredible, the directing, mm -hmm. the, everything we talked about, you know? Um, yeah, looking at that, special. that list of nominations, it's, you know, it would be my pick for best picture, but I, I wouldn't be outraged if it lost to Tar or yeah. Banshees or whatever. Right. But like, I think I would be legitimately like outraged if it doesn't win for editing. Yeah. If it doesn't win true. for screen original screenplay. Like, yeah. like some of these is just like, I don't even, I, I uh, how could it not win? Yeah. It's just, you know, and it, it, like editing and screenplay. And I would, I'd have to look at the directing category again, but like, yeah. to have the, the overarching vision yeah, and then I to see like it through, like I, it's a marvelous to, yeah. directing job, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you consider it's two people yeah. and those two people having to work together, like yeah. and to be cohesive. Um, it's not an easy movie because I, I feel like this movie is walking a tightrope mm. And if it was a nudge too far in like 15 different directions, <laughs> yeah. I would hate this movie. Yeah. And I feel like it, it just perfectly mm -hmm. like, like right through the eye of the needle yeah. and, and hit it perfect, like note perfect. Yeah. And it just makes me marvel because it is, they swung for the fences and yeah. they took a lot of risks yeah. and a lot of, it's not just a couple of decisions. I mean, there are probably 200 different calls that they've made that and every one of them paid off. And I just feel like that's so yeah. rare. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it all landed. Yeah. It feels like a masterpiece. Like yeah. it feels, I was thinking that while I was watching it last time, I was like, man, what are, what are they going to do now? Like, how do you, how do you follow this up? I, I'm really interested to see what they come up with. Yeah. It was, I was reading a, a little bit, um, like it debuted at South by last week or last year. And, um, you sometimes forget like actors shoot scenes out of sequence mm -hmm. and they don't, they're the actors. They're right, not the, yeah. they're not the visions behind it. They're not the creative force behind it. Yeah. They, they get lines, you know, sometimes they improv, but they're actors. And Jamie Lee Curtis was saying like, like she went to the debut mm. and she saw the movie and just like started crying and then told the, <laughs> the director Daniels was like, I get it now. Because I think she was like, you know, yeah. imagine being right, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis. Think about her parts yeah. and what she was yeah, doing. Deirdre. Yeah. 
and just right, she's you know, hot dog fingers and one yeah. lady. She's got a big black circle with stapling her forehead. I mean, she's doing all kinds of yeah. crazy stuff and not knowing all the other pieces because if she's not in the scenes or maybe right. she's read the script, but like, right. but it just shows that like the, the process of making it, but then the editing and the directing decisions as far as like composing the film, what to keep, mm-hmm. what to cut, how to, you know, what camera angles to pick, all that process like she wasn't part of any of that. Right. And then she saw it and whatever doubt she had <laughs> acting or, or that's to it, mm-hmm. it landed. It, I just thought that was a neat little, little anecdote. That is cool. Um, Cause it is, it's, there's a lot going on besides just saying the lines or, or you know, just the acting part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should we get into it now? Yeah. Like, I feel like I we just I'm, talked a lot about yeah. how it's really good, but we yeah. haven't really actually we said like this movie. that much. Yeah. <laughs> In case you haven't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's time to rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, again, it's almost a hard movie to talk about. But yeah. It's yeah. So, start? yeah. And I do think we, it's a challenge we've learned about ourselves when we admire a movie, it's harder mm-hmm. to talk about in some ways. Um, I do think this movie, it's about, it's a, it's a father, daughter, mother, daughter, and husband and wife movie yeah. all wrapped at once. And then a meditation on like nihilism (laughs) (laughs) and existentialism, like on top, all wrapped inside, like right around two hours and all done with crazy, you know, a million different universes. And so a full hour less than Avatar, (laughs) I might might add. How did they do it? Yeah. How did they do it? The avatars guys like I'd never cut corners like that. But, right. you know, yeah, that's me. Each his own, I guess. Yeah, you know? I guess. <laughs> and what if Avatar wins Best Picture? Oh, don't even, that's not a universe I want to live in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to jump to another that's, one. That's, that's the, the darkest. That's timeline. the darkest yeah. timeline. That's when yeah. we've made all the wrong choices. Yeah. yeah, we live in a universe where Avatar wins. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, like, how, how do you want to? I and mean, part of me just says, like, let's just kick it off. Just jump in somewhere. And maybe just start talking about Evelyn. I think Evelyn's the yeah, unifying. Good, she's yeah, the, the father, yeah. daughter, mother, daughter, yeah. husband, wife. She's the one. Yeah, she's in all. Unifying, yeah. you know. Mm. And so what what do we have in, in Evelyn? And then let's just see where that takes us. Yeah, I mean, I think you start out and you see her. And again, she's very relatable. Like, she's... I haven't been audited, but <laughs> yes, Asian just putting that out there. Do you hear that IRS? Yeah. <laughs> That's a challenge. Yeah. I did just finish my taxes, so don't look at them too closely. Though. Um, How does she afford that sweet entertainment center yeah. in his apartment? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a bit clearly attached to? Yeah, I definitely haven't had anybody from the IRS yeah. over to because I don't want them to know how nice yeah. it is. Um, I guess whenever I say relatable, I mean, she is very worked up over something that is a really big deal. Like they're, she's trying to do this, they're getting audited and they're trying to do all this tax stuff and everything. But even just, there's also like her dad is visiting them. And so she's trying to like get all that set up. And then she's trying just so many different things. She's pulled in like a million different directions, even as far as like what shade of white did her husband use to, 
to paint over the the crack in the there's ceiling. laundry white and apartment yeah, white, right? Yeah, there's two different <laughs> kinds of white. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way that she is so scattered and just has her minds on so many things, I think that felt very relatable to me. And mm. like none of them, I mean, maybe the getting audited, but other than that, none of them are really that big of a deal. But just how you can tell her mind is kind of fractured is I, that's very relatable. I think in our world, just how we have our mind on a million different things at any given time. And you kind of have to be thinking about all of those things to some degree to like make it in our world, but it's definitely, it's not an ideal way to live. And so I think mm-hmm. that's whenever you first see her, um, is she's just in this state of like constant stress, constant, like multitasking all the time. She's cooking dinner she's trying to take care of customers, all of that stuff. And then you see her kind of like progress from there, but that, but that's where you first see her. And I think it makes her a very relatable character. Yeah. I, I think I like thinking about this movie, um, from the perspective of like pain. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the devices of like laundry and taxes as like, yeah, those are, those are kind of like, in some ways, like low level pains, but they're constant and they're common to like most people, like most people don't, don't avoid the, the pain of like laundry. You do it <laughs> almost as soon as you're done with it. There's a whole other, like, yeah. Yeah. you've got a whole bunch built up again and you're like, ah, and the taxes are kind of similar in some of the ways where they're always kind of in the back of your mind. You're, you're always kind of thinking of different implications and they're, you have to do them every year and they kind of affect everyone. And, um, so this idea that like, there is this reality of pain in life and it's inescapable. Like we're all going to experience pain to some degree. And when I think of Evelyn, um, her, her solution to pain is kind of what you're saying, Ian, like, it's just like, she keeps, she works hard. She grinds Mm. and she's got a million things in her mind on her. And she just, she doesn't seem to stop. She goes from one, Oh, uh, she's you, when you first see the movie, she's working on taxes, um, then she starts thinking about, Oh, Gong Gong's waking up. Like we got to start making him dinner. She starts, she goes into dinner. Mm-hmm. We got to figure out dinner. She just doesn't stop. Her mind doesn't stop. And she just moves from one problem to the next, solves it, then goes to the next one. And she never really like pauses or mm-hmm. just rests or, you know, I really enjoys, enjoys anything. She's just like, okay, what's the next problem? And then she's, she seems to also just be constantly like triaging, like, um, joy shows up and, she doesn't seem to want to deal with joy or the fact that joy's brought her girlfriend. And so she's just kind of like, okay, bump that one down, low priority, focus on dinner. We got to get dinner. Gong he's going to be cranky. Like he's sore from traveling, you know, and then there's this party. She's thinking about the party mm-hmm. and she just goes from one thing to the next. And that's, that's Evelyn's kind of relationship to pain or how she, mm-hmm. you know, interacts with it. Yeah. I think along with that, you see the natural byproducts, of if, if she is that way, if she is task oriented, if she's in problem solving mode, she's a truth teller. Mm. Uh, and that sort of the effect that that has on her relationship, she's hard to feel tenderness towards. It's yeah. hard to have intimacy. It's hard to have just love and, and goodbye. Cause she's so relentlessly focused on efficiency mm-hmm. and problem solving. Um, and so there's not enough room to let things breathe, to, to let things linger, to let things be on other people's terms. Right. And so mm. you see in those early scenes, like her, her husband, uh, Wayman 
is trying to engage her constantly and, and he's the complete polar opposite, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He, he's, I think you see him, like he accepts her for who she is. Like he, he's not fighting with her, but he's also trying to like pull her out of that like mm. black hole of, of just task orientation. Yeah. Um, and it just sets up beautifully. I think one of the things I admire about this film, like I'm a tried and true dogged like character person in movies. I love characters. And to me, Evelyn's one of the best sketched characters. Mm. I mean, I can think of across any movie, um, just the depth and the multidimensionality of, of there. And honestly, like, I feel like I know Evelyn. I feel like there's mm-hmm. Evelyn's I've known in my life. Um, who are well-meaning, um, you know, th- that's the thing. Like, like she's not a monster. No. Like, like, I do find her likable mm-hmm. um, in the own way, in its own way. But it's like, I also see how she alienates people in her life. And you see primarily she's alienated over many years, over many small instances. She's alienated her husband mm-hmm. and she's alienated her daughter. Uh, and her husband to the point where he's filing for divorce but really as a scare tactic mm. right. to try to jolt her out of it. Um, and it's interesting because like her response when she finally sees it, it's just like, she's incredulous at first. Cause it's like, we have this, we made a promise. We made a sacred covenant. Or mm-hmm. I forget the word she uses, um, but something in yeah, that vibe. She does, she does something like, like no, yeah. sacred promise. Or sacred promise. Like mm-hmm. there is no divorce. Right. And then she kind of internalizes it for a few seconds and then it's just like, boom, here, I'll sign it. Show me where to sign it. And you just, both those things kind of clicking yeah. at once. Um, and then, you know, with Joy, it's like, you know, Joy's upset. She's clear, you know, and it's just like, you're fat. You need to eat better and lose weight. And it's just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But in that moment, it's just, maybe it's the the quality of the acting. Like, you see that she doesn't, she she's intuitively senses the distance mm-hmm. and doesn't have the words to say the right thing. She just doesn't, I think she wants to, she just right. doesn't know how. She mm-hmm. doesn't have the right tools. She doesn't have the right skill set. And baked in all of that is Gong Gong in her intense desire to not be a disappointment. Yeah. And like in that initial scene, like, like you were saying, Aaron, how you know low priority, high priority. It's like of all those things, why is noodles for, for a, a man yeah. who's like asleep <laughs> yeah. that you have to have it perfectly calibrated because he wakes up hungry? But it's right. like he's a grown man; he can yeah. wait a couple minutes. Yeah. Like, but it just shows how mm-hmm. strong of a drive she has to be pleasing in his eyes. Like the yeah. the way that you know, I think especially in that culture, but broadly even like the Mm. desire to like not disappoint your father or your parent Um, and all of that like operating. That's why it's such a neat opening scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Cause it's small potatoes in a lot of ways, but it's showing so much and laying the foundation for like all these different characters. Yeah. Which, yeah, it does really well. It does it really well. You see how all of the characters are and then how they all interact. But then, so you're kind of sticking with her, the way that she changes throughout the movie is is she changes in really big ways. And a lot of it is just her kind of getting broken down because she has this view of the world and this like efficiency of like, okay, you just have to grind. You just have to like get things done because the world's hard and, nobody's going to help you. So really you just have to do it and you just have to like solve problems. And then a lot of how she changes is 
her seeing that she basically can't do everything. Like specifically, I'm kind of thinking about with her and Waymond, which I love Waymond. He's like yeah. one of my favorite characters. Yes. He's up there as just like top characters of, of anything, like yeah. any movie. He's, he's so great. <laughs> and then like how he's like normal Waymond and then alpha yes, Waymond. Alpha, yeah. Uh, yeah. So good. Yeah. It's excellent. That's so great. But just her relationship with him, like how, she wouldn't say this, I think, in normal life until she's very pushed to her limit. But and then it kind of comes out that she really does look down on him. Like yes. she, the way that he operates, she thinks he's just very naive and simple and doesn't understand the world and is really isn't very helpful. She doesn't see him as very helpful, even though she, he's actually helping her all the time and and doing things that she doesn't know how to do, but actually are the things that are saving her. And you see that with the cookies that he bakes for Deidre she's like mocking him for it. Like, but it, that's really what gets them the time to, she likes them. Yeah. She, yeah, she eats the yeah. cookies and then she's like, all right. Like, okay. I don't normally do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I, and I think that's like one example of how she has this position and her mind is just completely set. Like nothing is going to change her mind except for something really, really big. And so this whole multiverse obviously absurd scenario that she has to go through, it does shift her because she sees that she's so small and that she needs help. Like she can't handle everything like she thought that she could and that she actually needs people like Wayman. And then like at the very end, she has this very different um, view of him because she sees that she needs him in this very real way that like she can't operate in the world without him. Whereas before she thought that she was the one that was like doing everything for him. And so there's, there's so many different facets, but that was one that stuck out to me is just, and I think I'm definitely on that of like the Evelyn Wayman scale. I'm definitely more Evelyn. So I, <laughs> I, I I'm very much more relate to her as a character than I do. Looking for a Wayman. Wayman. <laughs> yeah. So any, uh, female Wayman. <laughs> Yeah, no, I do think it like it is one of the it's one of the beautiful things that hit me last night. Um, I think the first time I watched it, I was more focused on the kind of parent child mm. dynamics. And watching it last night, I was much more in tune with the marriage husband wife things. And I do think like that's something uh, God's been showing me over the most recent years that like. I see in this movie and it's really beautiful. Like in our like self-focused way, it's very easy to feel like Evelyn where it's just like, mm -hmm. I see things correctly. If this person would just see it like me, like our life would be able to take off in certain ways and it would, you know, it'd be great. And I think like when you have that, that uh, view, like you, you miss the beauty of like, if God's brought two people together their differences create like just a richer tapestry and texture to life. And so I think it's like, what I love about this movie is like, there's a place for like the way Evelyn, it's not like Evelyn all of a sudden now needs to become like Wayman. Right. That, yeah. Like right. that's mm -hmm. not her character transformation. Mm -hmm. It's she's still Evelyn and all the things that make her great and beautiful and, and valuable. Like they're going to continue to need like as a family. Um, but the way her character, like you described, Ian, her character arc, the way she's changing is she's learning like, okay, Wayman brings value too. Mm. And together, 
And in his own yeah, distinct in way. In his own distinct way. Mm. And it actually, she's finally able to see like the ways that it actually makes their life together richer and mm. better. The fact that he is the way he is and he brings what he brings. Even if it's, there's some ways that like, you're always going to be you. And it can be hard to like understand the other person. But I think the work there is worth it because it brings this richness and this depth um, you just, you just love each other in deeper and richer ways that you're like, that are better than like what you thought. If like, if I could just, if I could just make them like me, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that gets in your head, like that's the answer. But it takes a real humility because you yeah. have to realize that you don't have all the answers to get to that right. point. Mm-hmm. Like the way at the end when, uh, Deirdre shows up with the police and she's mm-hmm. wanting to repossess their business or w- whatever the correct term is. Um, Evelyn's just like, let's go, let's fight. Yeah. Like, and Wayman like pulls her to the side and Deirdre's like, okay, gives him a, like a week, a, a week extension. And Evelyn's just like, what did he tell you? Like, what did Wayman tell you? You mm-hmm. know? And she's like, I don't know. He's just a nice guy. Just kind of like, he, I don't remember exactly, but I don't think he said anything particularly well, like he, he right. yeah, you can go. Yeah, no, it's one of the things I took notes on because it's one of the, the small parts in the movie I admire. Yeah. He doesn't come with, oh, I did this and this right. and this and it worked. Right. He says, I don't know. Right. That's yes. <laughs> he's just being he's himself just and he's yeah. just talking and he's connecting with her as a and, and right. he knows that she also has pain and he's relating to her not as an IRS agent who's a threat to his business, right. but as a human being right. who needs kindness and joy and love. And, you know, he's only, he has a certain relationship with her. He can't provide all that, but he can bake her cookies. He can treat her with respect. Mm-hmm. He can, you know, and, and so it's like, quote unquote worked, but it wasn't from a place of manipulation. Right. He, and so he has no idea. Right. It's just his blanket orientation. Well, but I think the biggest thing that changes, or at least this is the way that I took it, was that he tells her about the divorce. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's like the Which, again, I don't think it was switches. manipulative. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's not, just oh, let her. me yeah. play He's on her heartstrings. With another human. He's mm-hmm. just being the way like, he always does. Because at this point, and I know it's confusing because of all the timelines and all the yeah. jumping, but like, yeah. You have these kind of, at best, confused tax thing, at worst, tax cheats, just, you know, they're business expensing karaoke machines and, and you know, kind of yeah. some dodgy, yeah. you know, maybe a lot of it's confusion, but whatever. Like, Evelyn's not, or uh, Deidre's not making it up, like, right, the yeah, difficulty. Like some, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, she's been giving them, you know, and then... Evelyn just flat punches her in the face, yeah. right? Now we yeah. know in the movie, she thinks it's this weird, but sure. in the timeline of the, like, like the Deirdre, the Deirdre is just yeah. getting assaulted, yeah. you know, after giving them an extension and then they blow <laughs> the extension. And so she shows up with the police to, you know, yeah. to get the lien or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Evelyn gets a baseball bat and smashes yeah. the window. Yeah. So the, you know what I mean? Like, like, like Deidre's not in the wrong here. Completely understandable. Completely yeah. understandable. And and so Wayman's just like trying to explain her behavior and not to, but yeah, it's yeah. been a hard time. And then, you know, it softens her. And then you get that connection with, with Evelyn and, and Deirdre and they have that, um, I know it was with one of our favorite lines, my wife and I, when we saw it, but it's just like, you know, cold hearted, uh, Bees, bees, shall we say, <laughs> make the world go round, mm-hmm. you know, or unlovable bees make, you know, mm-hmm. the world go round and they can like, they went from being adversaries to like, 
actually finding some commonality in their, you know, they realized they were maybe wired similarly or also, you know, I think Deirdre confessed to driving her car. Right. Yeah. The, you know, or something. like somebody's kitchen yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah. I, I've been there. I've, so I've could, like yeah. lost mm-hmm. touch with, uh, you know, reasonableness and, <laughs> you know, it, but it, it brings humanity. Mm. And then from that place of humanity, there can be connection. And so it was just a great way of underscoring, like when Wayman says that he fights with kindness, that he's not naive and like Wayman goes through life knowing he's being misinterpreted as weak mm. and as silly and as non-serious. He's the one who puts googly eyes on everything. <laughs> no more Google yeah. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows that he gets a certain amount of contempt, especially from his wife mm. for it. But it doesn't dissuade him because he believes deeply that this is how he fights. And he knows he doesn't have it in him to be that direct, harsh thing. Mm. But it's not that he doesn't care and it's not that he's unaware. It's that he's intentionally being a certain way to try to fight for mm-hmm. good and try to fight for the, the betterment of, of him and his family and the people around him. And it was just a really neat, in, in my eyes, like depiction of it, of where you, you have the verbal explanation and then mm-hmm. the demonstration of yeah. it. And the way the story's being told, they're like woven together. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it's interspersed. And it's just very effective. Yep. Yeah. That scene, the first time I watched it, the scene where they're in the alley and he's explaining all of it, that that was my favorite scene. That was yeah. what like really when stuck out when to me. When she's like the actress? The movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like the and they go out. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CEO Wayman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. Same. I remember seeing that the first time and being like, this feels pretty key. Yeah. And it's just such a good way of like, you were saying, Tim, of just, he's knowing who he is. So it's not necessarily that everybody needs to do exactly that, but it's just, he knows the way that he is and the way that he is, that is his best way to kind of fight this darkness or just like the hard way that the world is, is just kind of through this acting simpler, like really seeing the good in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, it's, he's doing it in his unique way, but then it, it does, I mean, at least for me, it was, it was part of the reason I liked it is it is very challenging. It's like, cause I'm more like Evelyn. So for me, I felt like it was kind of convicting in a way of there is a place for just realizing that things are broken things are hard, but it's not always to focus on that. That is, that's going to like get you the best outcome or is even just what God calls us to do. I think there's a lot of just seeing the good that is around us and just appreciating that and being thankful for that. I think that's, that's something that is like, we really are called to do and we're meant to do. Mm-hmm. And it really, that is like, those are the more enjoyable things about life. Like if we're just constantly focusing on the bad things and like how things are hard, one, a lot of times we're going to focus on things that are very small and then we're going to turn them into really big things and then two, it's just, we're really not looking at God if we're looking at the hard things. Like in a way, Waymond is like seeing, because every good thing is kind of pointing us back to God. So in a way it's like he's looking, he's looking past all the darkness up to like this higher plane. And and I think that's something that I at least can do more of because mm-hmm. I, I don't do a lot of that. So I, yeah, I, I love that part. And just the way that it's him explaining as interwoven with what's happening. Yeah. Is, mm. That's so good. Yeah. And maybe using the same phrasing because or framing, not phrasing. Um, that's also 
it's hard to pick a favorite scene in this film, but <laughs> that's also a very notable one yeah. for me. Um, and in that same exchange, because you do, you, you have movie star Evelyn and CEO Wayman, which within like the scope of the movie with their like infinite possibilities mm. of, you know, like that's probably one of the better ones mm. yeah. <laughs> viewed a certain way. Sure. And one of the last things that CEO Wayman says to movie star Evelyn is that like, because they never got together, right? Mm. The, the, the the branch happens when she turns him down and then she gets mugged and then finds the Kung Fu teacher <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, pinky Kung Fu yeah. and, and all It that. seemed like that teacher was there. And I'm like, she, she, yeah, no, she was. But yeah. she didn't help. She didn't yeah. help. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was just like, I want to follow you. Yeah. I'm like, why yeah. didn't you help me? Yeah. That's what I would have been like. That's, part of, that's part of the training. I just yeah. got mugged. <laughs> she, she probably hired the mugger. To, yeah. yeah. That's, it was all a scam. It was all a scam. <laughs> You know, and then Wayman, whatever, he somehow found success in business. And, and uh, But one of the last things he says to her in this timeline is, like, in another life, I would have loved mm. doing laundry and doing taxes with yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Which Evelyn, we know in, in the, the laundry timeline, her worst <laughs> kind of timeline, like, sees that as mm -hmm. almost a failed life. Right. And so I guess using even the same framing, but maybe exploring the um, the topic or, or the idea of like regret or, or that like mm -hmm. infinite possibility. Because I think for Ev Evelyn, that's a core feature of her character. And even early in the film, I don't think I caught this the first time or two, but like in all the chaos of the laundry and just, dealing with the, the whole laundry mat in that first little scene. At one point she actually breaks away from the craziness and all the task orientation. And she looks at the TV and there's the mm -hmm. TV show of like the, like the Indian princess dancing oh, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, and she just, it's a moment of escapism. Mm -hmm. and, and Cause everyone's not given to daydreaming and escapism. Yeah. She's very task oriented mm -hmm. and efficient and all those things. And she just breaks out of it and she tunes out all the chaos and all the just mundane, ordinary <laughs> demands of life. And you just see her like wistful looking at that. Now, later on, you, you, they bring it back right, with the hot yeah. dog finger people. <laughs> they bring it back with her being a movie yeah. star, right? Like you see that scene coming up in a bunch of different timelines, mm. but it, it shows like she has regret. Like she... Mm -hmm. In the, the original timeline of the movie, in the laundromat, she lives each and every day with a certain question of what would have happened if I didn't go with Wayman? What if mm -hmm. I, you know, and like in her mind, that's the main branch, her the, the, the dividing line in her life, the main uh, just direction it took. And I think she has a lot of regret or at being the most kind, <laughs> she has a lot of questions about sure. whether that, you know, if she could do it over again. Um, and so like, like, what do we make of, of that as a theme? Yeah, I see Evelyn, she does, she, she regularly goes back to that moment when she got in the taxi cab with Wayman and her dad is saying like, essentially I'm cutting you off. Right. Mm. Like you are no longer my daughter if you go with, with this guy. And I think at that time, Evelyn was like, this is exciting. This guy's exciting. We're going to go do something great. And almost, uh, we'll show you, dad. And it doesn't work out that way. And, and when you meet her in the original timeline, she's very concerned with, 
am I making my dad proud? And there's even a, I don't remember the exact dialogue, but um, Waymond is telling her, like, it doesn't matter right. what your dad thinks. It only matters what we think, right? right. And yeah. he's, like, looking at her. She doesn't answer. And it's, like, a heartbreak for him because he's, like, oh, like, she's not with me in this. And I think one of the ways uh, that this theme plays out, one of the things the movie is saying is that Evelyn is primarily trying to derive like meaning significance, like externally, like specifically from her dad. And that's even why she's concerned with um, Joy bringing this girlfriend. I don't think she, she doesn't seem to necessarily have a problem with Joy in her relationship. It's, Mm -hmm. oh, we have to, Explain this to Gong Gong. Yeah. And so every, she routes like almost everything through Gong Gong and just what will he think? Will he be proud of me? There's even, you pointed it out, Ian, when we were watching, but in one of the timelines where she's a singer, it's like pros and cons or something. And one of the pros was dad that's proud or proud dad or something like that. Yeah. It's it's like the abilities abilities. that she gets. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of them is proud father. Proud father. (laughs) So it's like the movie's showing you in in subtle ways and not so subtle ways. Mm. Like, the approval of her dad is everything to her. And I think that's, um, that's juxtaposed with Waymond where he, in every timeline, like CEO, um, you know, uh, Waymond, his orientation is he just wants to connect with, he wants to be one with Evelyn. And if he could have that, like that's like, he's winning. And it's not because I think she even says like in the CEO timeline, she's like, you were supposed to be poor in America. Yeah. yeah. How did you do this? Or, yeah. And he's like, I don't know. Like he did. Right. Like, he, <laughs> he's like, I guess I got lucky. It's kind yeah. of like the the end scene where he's like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how it happened. Like, it, I just got lucky. And um, those aren't those kind of like external measures aren't the things that he defines himself by. And he really, in this movie, Wayman really is seeking, he just wants to be with Evelyn. He wants to be one with her. Yeah, which is funny too, because uh, there's almost a, just whenever you're talking about that, there's a question of like, why? Like, why mm-hmm. why Evelyn? Like, it seems like she's so hard to be with. Like, why? Mm-hmm. But I think like that's part of love is it's just, it's not necessarily rational all the time. It's just there's something about it where it's like, you just love somebody and they're obviously going to have faults, but like you just love them through that. That's part of what it is. And so the fact that he is, you see all these sides of her and like she, she does have those really great things about her, but then she is really hard in some ways. But the fact that Wayman who's so soft in all these ways, like is like wants to love her in all these different timelines is, is really beautiful. And yeah, like with the regret, I think, the way that Evelyn changes like at the end, cause she does like at the beginning, whenever she first finding out about all the multiverse stuff, she sees her, that timeline of CEA, CEO mm-hmm. Waymond mm-hmm. and um, movie star Evelyn. And she sees that and she's like, wait, I have to go tell my husband about how, how amazing my life was whenever yeah. we didn't yeah. go together. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, Alpha Women, go away. I need to go yeah. talk to my husband to tell him about how amazing it was whenever I didn't come to America with him. And she's just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obvious that she had this quote, like, what if question. Yeah. And now because of the multiverse, it's kind of been answered. And that was obviously only one multiverse. So it's like, it doesn't sure. necessarily even work out that way. But she has that question answered in a way that she really likes and is like, I need to tell Wayman about this, that like basically he was wrong. 
and that I was wrong to go with him. Um, but then at the very end, you get this really sweet scene with her and Joy where she's talking. Uh, Joy is kind of saying like, mm-hmm. and this is after she's been fractured and, the, the, and there's all this stuff. But basically she could kind of live any in any Evelyn that she would want to. So in any multiverse. And she's saying like, I just want to be here with you. Like I want to live with this family, like over the laundromat with Joy and Waymond. And Joy says something like, well, you could be like anything anywhere. Why, you know, like, why would you want to be here? But she's, she is choosing to just kind of live this more simple life with these people that she really cares about. And so, and she's like letting go, like, whereas before she was very much focused on the external things and what her circumstances of her life were. But at the very end, it's really more about the relationships and it's more about the people that she cares about. And so like that regret is kind of healed throughout Mm -hmm. all these experiences that she has because she, she has the chance to do what she would have wanted to do at the beginning, which would be go live that movie star life. But she chooses not to do it because at the end, she doesn't really regret the everything the same way Mm -hmm. that she did at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the movie shows um, throughout the thousands or millions of different timelines that Evelyn and Raymond, like there's like a bond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like like sort of like a, a meant to be Mm. kind of aspect. It is written. Uh, Yeah, it is is written. (laughs) And yeah, like I think what you were saying, Aaron, like Evelyn's desire for external justifications, mm-hmm. because it's interesting, like she, she desires it more than anything with her father, but he won't give it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like, almost like in a comic sense, but like he, he you know, even, uh, like she lies when they're going to the IRS and it's mm. like, Oh, we're just looking to get like a permit to expand our business. You know, just a bald faced lie. Right. Yeah. They're in hanging on by the skin of their teeth, like maybe facing, <laughs> you know, all kinds of tax penalties or jail time or whatever. Um, and he's just kind of like, oh, you know, yeah. laundromat, more yeah. laundry, more yeah. laundry. Yeah. He just yeah. not impressed. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they could have a chain of 500 and right. be fabulously wealthy. He wouldn't, you know, he, right. he cause he's not, He's mad that she defied him all those years mm-hmm. ago. And so nothing that she could do would ever heal that. He's trying to show his disapproval. Mm-hmm. And and she, the more he's doing that, the more she's trying to earn it. And as she's trying to earn it, she's hurting the people mm-hmm. around her, namely Waymond and Joy. Um, and yeah, it, it is that, that transformation. And it's showing, I think, like, the power of contentment mm. because Waymond is content and it, maybe they're living a sustenance existence. Mm. Maybe they're always on the razor's edge of bankruptcy. Yeah. Maybe it's a rundown laundromat and they have tax problems, but like they, the film intersposes these, these scenes of like Waymond like running around after like toddler joy or mm. like, you know, mm-hmm. him putting the googly eye, like, he finds joy and fun and, and lightness in mundane, ordinary moments. And he makes bonds like he, with, with uh, that biker bearded that's guy. Was, yeah, that's he's like doing my favorite the dancing. Part. I love it when he's and dancing he, yeah, with him. That's he so just funny. finds <laughs> humanity and he finds meaning and love and kindness and, and just 
life-giving things in the same spots that Evelyn looks and sees kind of bleakness <laughs> and lack of meaning and then just disappointment written all over. Yeah. And like they're beholding the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And Raymond is actually finding life and Evelyn is finding yeah. just complete despair. barren despair yeah. and, and like wasteland. Mm -hmm. And I, I always think about, um, it was in one of our kind of Sunday gathering things, maybe a month or so ago, but this quote, um, from Dallas Willard has just stayed with me where it was just one word to describe Jesus in your mm. a thousand different <laughs> words you can think. And he said, relaxed. Mm. And I, that's so fascinating to me because that's never a word I would have come up with. Right. Mm. I, I would have picked a thousand words before that. And I love that description. Yeah, it's pretty great because of what it means to be relaxed. Mm. Um, and I think Waymond kind of embodies exactly that mm. and, and it doesn't mean he's relaxed and that he's above stress or that he is he somehow he cares yeah mm -hmm. he's invested but he finds like the beauty and yeah. purpose and meaning and there's a contentment right in life that other people would see as maybe not the greatest life and he wouldn't want it any other way and that's why the the movie star slash ceo when he's basically like yeah, it's cool that I'm rich. It's cool that you're famous. Mm -hmm. We could be a power couple together. Because she's immediately drawn to him, right. right? She rejected him all those years ago. She sees him on the staircase, and she's, like, drawn to him. There's a, a bond that will do yeah. a lot for you. Oh, his hair uh, looks good. Suit, He's in his yeah, suit. Talks, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, CEO Wayman's looking good. <laughs> yeah. And he, you have no doubt, because yeah. you've watched the movie, that he means it when right. he would mm -hmm. gladly exchange the decades they had apart with him being a CEO and her being a famous actress, he would mm. gladly go to where they're both nobodies and poor mm. and struggling, but have each other the whole time. Yeah. And I think Evelyn, to your point, Ian is like her journey. There is a journey in learning how to be content mm -hmm. yeah. to not have to be dissatisfied because her father's judgment to not have to be dissatisfied because she needs these external validations, these external like markers of success or worthiness um, that her life matters mm -hmm. and she finds it and through this journey, but at the end of the film, she finds it. And it's one of those sweet moments. Cause in the beginning of the film where they're going to the IRS, Wayman sees that elderly couple and they're affectionate. Mm -hmm. And then he looks and like Evelyn, I forget she does something yeah. like yeah. Evelyn, like, right. And you just see like, he just yearns for that relational intimacy and love and softness mm -hmm. that he sees in that other couple. At the very end of the film, they're back in the IRS mm. and he's going to go to the bathroom and Evelyn just kind of embraces him and kisses him and, and just there's warmth there. Mm -hmm. And they're about to face the IRS. Like their problems aren't solved right. yeah. on that front. Yeah, I like that. But she's content and, and she's learned to see the beauty in the ordinary things and that it's not a wasted life. Like she has a devoted husband. She has a daughter. She has riches and things that can't be measured in money or a bank account or titles or professional success. But she has things that I think old Evelyn didn't count <laughs> as as worthwhile or just took for granted. And anyway, I think that's a beautiful mm -hmm. and very meaningful like display um going on there yeah and it's believable too yeah. i think that's part of what 
makes so much of it hit home is like it's through all these crazy multiverse <laughs> things but but her transformation is really like just how she comes to this relational viewing of the world that's really what you see is what changes her it's not necessarily all of the multiverse stuff it's like the relationships that she has and the way that she sees waymond and all mm -hmm. these like different ways it really is the people around her that change her mm -hmm. and yeah yeah I think the movie's absolutely saying what you guys are saying because Joy and Evelyn, when Evelyn gets to this point where she is able to be, you know, everything everywhere like Joy and kind of gets that fractured state, Joy's like, you know, telling Evelyn one of the reasons that she just wants to like end it all is that she only gets a, a few moments where anything makes sense. And that's what Evelyn says to Joy at the end when they're in the parking lot again. And Joy's like, why would you like, you know, like, cause Evelyn's like, you are gaining weight. You are like, you know, all these problems exist. Like she's not ignoring the problems of life, but she is like, and so then Joy's like, well, why would you choose to be with me? And I think it's the same um, dialogue that's happening with Evelyn and Wayman, just more unspoken. Mm -hmm. Um, but Evelyn says, because the, you know, even if I only get a few moments where it all makes sense, I will hold on to those mm -hmm. tightly, you know? And I think that's what Evelyn is learning through all the different uh, multiverses with uh, Waymond as well, where she's like, the solution isn't the absence of problems or the presence of like wealth and success. It really is like, you know, it, it, when she's movie star Evelyn, her bright spot is like in this alley, like having right. this conversation, connecting with CEO Wayman. And I think she's, she's learning. It, it's like shown and told. Right. And I think that's like, you're saying the connection to Jesus there is like, he, he didn't have an easy life. Like he suffered a lot. He went through a lot of pain. Um, but he was a content man. And it's not because he ignored problems or he just overlooked pain or tried to escape from it. Um, but he had the ability, which anyone in Christ has by the power of the spirit to, to, to gain contentment in those moments of like, mm -hmm. it does make sense. It all makes sense. And I think that's a, you know, I think the movie's trying to grasp at that, mm -hmm. that principle. Like mm -hmm. the, they see some truth and they, they want to grab a hold of it. Does it make sense? Yeah, it is interesting. <clears throat> they, I mean, like you were saying, Tim, it is talking about nihilism to some degree. And so there is, it doesn't like bring in a lot of the answers to that, mm -hmm. but it does talk about at one point, like how whenever Joy turns into Jobu... Chupaki. Chupaki. Chewbacca. Yeah, Jojo Chewbacca. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like, yeah, that's such a good joke. Um, but whenever she turns into her, she like sees everything. And then because she sees everything, she can't see any meaning mm -hmm. anymore. And, and they, there's some line where it says like there, there's no morality and there's no absolute truth. Mm. So even though it, which is, I thought was interesting. It kind of hit me whenever we were watching it yesterday because it doesn't say what the absolute, like it doesn't ever try to 
push at like what this absolute truth is, but it does very much display this character in despair who is trying to destroy or not even trying to destroy everything, but just doesn't want to exist anymore because she's despaired so much and doesn't really care what she does to the world around her. And part of her getting that place is denying any sort of absolute truth, Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, that's somewhat countercultural, honestly, Mm -hmm. in at least in America right now. And so it's an interesting, and I think it doesn't make a huge deal out of it. It doesn't really push that super hard, but I I did think it was super interesting that they are, they're essentially saying there is some absolute truth. They're not trying to swing that hard to say this is what it is. Right. I mean, I, I think it, they would probably say it's something like relationships and loving other people, but I think they know enough to stay away from saying definitely what it is, but they are saying no absolute truth is bad. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, that's the power of like the rock scene. Yes. Yeah. Because the rock is, rock joy, I guess it's, <laughs> it's like, I think it's the closest that joy feels like that detachment from everything. Yeah. She's like nothing. Mm-hmm. It, we're just rocks. It's quiet. Like uh, this is the closest I can get to just total like absence of morality and yeah. truth. And it's just, I'm just a rock. And then Evelyn is still trying to like scoot her little, <laughs> yeah. you know, I still want to be with you. I still want to end it's powerful. Like, cause it, it is, I think it's that wrestling with that, what you're saying, like in that rock scene. Yeah. And it's, I love those scenes. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a great scene, man. That's up there for best scenes in this movie. Definitely. And like, you guys are, you can almost divide the movie in half of like a focus on the relationships and then the focus on like the f- big picture philosophical yeah. questions. Yeah. 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 And so moving into that side of things, like, I do. I, I, I love the treatment of it because so often your nihilistic um, bad guy villain figure, it's almost just this, I'm going to wipe out you know, I'm like Thanos right. or, you yeah. know, but joy, it's driven by despair, mm-hmm. not animus. Um, and it's not so much that she's trying to destroy the world right. or all these worlds. It's that she just wants to destroy herself really mm-hmm. um, or make it all go away. And, I agree, Ian. It does feel countercultural because it's a very, I think, honest look mm. at what life apart from morality looks like. Yeah. Um, and I do. I, I think it's very interesting that Joy likes the rock world so much because it's her version of feeling small and insignificant which humans need. There's a reason why we like yeah. sunsets and stars mm. and, and the, those encounters. Mm-hmm. It does us good at a soul level to be reminded yeah. that we're insignificant <laughs> and insignificance different than, than not worth anything. Like right. we have worth and value, but we're yeah. still, we're, we're significant in many ways, but yeah. we're still one of billions and, and like the yeah. world doesn't revolve around us. We need yeah. to be reminded of that, mm-hmm. that the world yeah. will go on just fine, whether we're yeah. awake or not, or, you know, and I, I love juxtaposing like that rock scene with the first time we see joy or I guess Jobu Tupaki <laughs> hit the scene. Mm. Um, and, and that's when, you know, I guess Evelyn, I, I'm, it's all a jumble in some ways, but like, <laughs> She's getting arrested mm-hmm. and then Jobu Tabaki comes and it's, it's silly. Yeah. 
But um, I actually went and, and wrote it down because I found it very interesting. She's got a pet pig on yeah, a leash. Yeah. And she's walking through, and the cops are just like she's just like right. Elvis, right? Whenever you first see her, yeah, yeah, and they just see like a 21, 22 year old yeah. girl with a pig on a leash, kind of invading their crime scene, and they're like, "All right, honey, like I don't know what kind of prank this is, <laughs> but you know." Yeah. And she, um, the cop says, "You and your pig can't be here," and she says, "Is it that I can't be here, or I'm not allowed to be here?" Uh, and she kind of keeps going, like yeah. he says, can't. And mm. she's just like, well, it's not that I can't. Like, I, here, I am clearly. here. Yeah. Like, you don't understand the word can't. Right. It's that you don't, I'm not allowed to be here. That mm. you, Mr. Authority Man, are making an arbitrary rule that says I can't be here, yeah. but I can be here. And it's very petulant. It's very bratty. Mm-hmm. It's very in line with like what someone like joy being that age or it's very in line with that. But through Jobu Tupaki, who's this all powerful, all knowing like being, it shows, I think what life is like when we're not under authority. Mm. Cause she has learned as Jobu Tupaki has like gained knowledge of her powers and has like, she's on an arc, you know, and she's, Mm -hmm. she went from like, self-discovery to like, you know, sort of feeling the limits of her powers to making that everything bagel. And then now she's like on the tail end of her arc of almost like trying to end it all. Mm -hmm. So she's fully aware of her powers and she's fully aware that nobody can say no to her. She's the most powerful being in this little Mm kind of version of the world. And so she has drunk deeply from this anti-authoritarian place of nobody can tell me anything i get to dictate the rules and you see how deeply unhealthy that is even for someone all powerful yeah. and how utterly like, because I, I, if you had it's almost like groundhog day like, <laughs> like without consequences like yeah. how fun that would be until mm-hmm. it's not right like yeah wouldn't it be great to be jobu tupaki for a little while where yeah. it's like someone shoots bullets and you can make it into catch a whatever all the yeah. crazy things that she does it's just like i would love to experiment with those powers for a little bit or right? even like evelyn whenever she first starting out she's like Absolute. oh i can be here right no kung fu and i'm a movie star i could be here where i'm a famous right. singer like right it, but it shows like the fully developed version of that where it goes from being neat mm. <laughs> and fun to being like a prison uh, and you get flooded and she's drowning in the insignificance of it all. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the, the way they conceptualize. I mean, it's an everything bagel. What's an everything bagel? Yeah. It has everything on it. Right. And it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous, <laughs> but using like you know, taking the movie at face value, it's like, she has all the knowledge <laughs> I love the description of what she puts in the bag. Yeah. And she like says like sesame seeds poppy. and yeah. salt and poppy with like all Pumps, these non, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. It's just like, it's an everything, everything bagel. Yeah. Um, and it does, it represents the sum total of all knowledge mm. and all experience. Um, and how at the end of that road is meaninglessness, mm-hmm. you know, and, I don't know. I, I just, it's an honest display of it. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's like an honored take on, or an, an honest take on modernism or modern right. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's because uh, we as a society, we love 
anti-authority, yeah. anti-authority. Like, like don't let anyone define you. Don't let anyone mm-hmm. say what you are or aren't. Don't let anyone negate your truth. Just right. that kind of impulse. And you see that very clearly, especially in that first scene with, with Jobu Tabaki, but you also see like where that leads her. Um, and I do like, like eventually in the film, she explains like why she made the everything bagel. Do you remember mm. that? Yeah. What, why did she do it? Uh, she's saying, um, I'm blanking on it. She's saying, uh, I don't know. You got to remind yeah. me. Yeah. No, I was just looking to pass the baton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to roll too hard, but I, I, I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but I think she just says, cause she wants to try to destroy herself. Right. Like I know she gets there. I can't remember if that's why she says she, creates it or not. Yeah, no, she very um, explicitly, and I, I just, I, I wrote it as a note. Um, she said, why, why to build the bagel? She said, not to destroy everything, but to destroy herself. She mm-hmm. wanted to escape and die, but she did it also because she wanted to find Evelyn. Like yeah. she, right. as yeah. a daughter, even with the trying to destroy herself, there was something despite all the alienation between her and Evelyn and even in the mythology of the movie, like alpha alpha Evelyn Mm. (laughs) pushed alpha joy too hard Mm -hmm. and fractured her into a million different pieces. And that's how Jobu Tubaki was created. And then we know like earth, you know, Evelyn pushed joy, you know, Mm -hmm. and that, and she's a college dropout and kind of aimless in life and a disappointment. But it's that you can see how a mom who's wired like Evelyn and a daughter who's wired like Joy is going to create, you know, some sparks and some wiring. But despite all that, Joy and Jobu Tupaki yearns to be connected to her mom and she yearns to be loved and understood by her mom and she wants to... In all the the chaos, she's seeking to connect with her mom, so then they can both go into the basically both be she destroyed to together. Yeah, yeah. She she wants to be destroyed because she feels like a deep sense of meaninglessness. Yeah, but she wants to do that with her mom by her side. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like a conflicting thing there, but I think it's also honest. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's irrational, but it's irrational in the way that the world all around us is it irrational. Makes it makes sense. Yeah. When mm-hmm. it's especially irrational as if you're going to go completely into nihilism or modernist thinking or skepticism or whatever you want to call it, it's especially irrational because it doesn't mean anything. So if she was a, a true skeptic, then she would just say, well, I'm just going to end things because mm-hmm. this is what life is. And Everything is, she uses the phrase, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's just like a, everything is just a different configuration of vibrating atoms or something like that. And if she really believed that, why does she care if whenever she destroys herself that her mom's with her? And so like, and that's why it's an interesting thing of like, it's it's really hard to be a, a real skeptic or a real rationalist it's near impossible because we, as humans, we have these other things inside of us that we feel so strongly that you really have to deny a lot to be true, to, to truly give yourself to that line of thinking. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize that. 
Um, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's always interested me that it's, there's always lines that people draw or like they're, they'll be skeptical or rationalistic up to a certain point. But then there's always things where it's like, oh yeah, but your family's good. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. Like, why, why does, why is your family good? Why does that mean anything? And I don't, it's just interesting that they, they play that out really well in this, where it shows that there are things that she feels that she can't get rid of no matter how much she can't make sense of them and maybe even can't even come to terms with them. And like, cause even at the end, she's just saying like, I just need to leave. She's talking to Evelyn. She just says, I don't really understand it, but like whenever we're together, it just hurts both of us. And right. so like, I, I'm just going to leave cause I just don't see a way around. And she just doesn't have this hope, but she, she wants to, but she doesn't, understand how it could work and, and also like she can't change evelyn either like she does try to leave but then evelyn goes up and like pursues her and talks to her and that's the only reason that things do change and so part of it maybe is just having this mother who she can't change and so she has to just deal with and have to like figure out how to do that um yeah, the, just the the skepticism ends at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for humans, too, if we're honest with ourselves and the way that we actually feel. I thought when you said this mother, it sounded like smother. <laughs> 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 no, well, I, I agree with what you're saying, um, that it's really hard to be a true, you know, nihilist. Mm -hmm. or, it just dawned on me, maybe a, nihilism's like, the belief or the conviction that like life is meaningless. Mm -hmm. It just, I don't know. We sometimes throw around fancy words. Yeah, and just, you know, um, rather than having to score. Yeah. That is I've been thinking about that <laughs> yeah. this whole time. <laughs> They're nihilist, Donnie. They don't care about anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's just hard. Cause it goes against, I think a core part of yeah. what we're wired as humans. Mm -hmm. Not to be, dark or, or you know whatever we're, we're not yeah but like nihilism did leads we get you, to the after dark part yeah <laughs> no but it is it's it's hard um and, and i think you're you're right like her longing for her mother betrays a little mm. you know it's not quite pure unadulterated nihilism and i think that's displayed and it's one of my favorite little parts of the movies but it's when they are rocks mm. and they kind of have this little humorous <laughs> subtitled exchange and then it goes silent for a couple beats and then rock joy says the F word like completely out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And Evelyn rock element, you know, it's just what, and, and rock joy is just like, I was hoping in all of this that you would be able to show me an angle I hadn't seen mm -hmm. yeah. to basically disprove the conclusions I've reached that, that all this is meaningless. Like I want to be convinced. It's mm -hmm. like the, the molder from X-Files. Like I want to believe. And like, even in her hardened, depressed sort of nihilistic place, she, I think believes it, but wants to be convinced or talked out of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was another honest moment. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, there's a certain uh, purity of conviction of like following that line of thought, but it's also not the most comfortable place to be. And I think the desire and the hope and the longing that that's not true um, is honest. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I, that part is very interesting because Evelyn doesn't have anything to say Mm -hmm. right there. Nope. There isn't, there isn't like some, oh, there's this different angle. Like you just weren't looking at it right. But it is really interesting. I mean, there's, there's a few things in there, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that Evelyn sees all the same things that Joy does. She fractures herself and her mind the same way that Joy does. And that's kind of the point. Like she pursues Joy to this point of, it's it's a real sacrifice because it's like Joy goes into this huge, like crazy depression, like not being able to control herself because she fractured herself. And, and Evelyn like jumps into that knowing that it's insanely dangerous and like risking that for herself um, to go save her daughter, which is just this really beautiful and like Christ-like picture. But then whenever she does that, it's not that she like necessarily sees anything different, but it is interesting. I think that you can have these two different characters and it's not that like the information is different or that they necessarily like reason their way differently. It's just that there's different, they come at it from different perspectives and with different motivations. And that really changes the way that what they see, um, it changes how it affects them. And also just even the relationships that they have around them affects them and, or like how everything that they see affects them. Cause, uh, Evelyn does get to that same place that joy does. She has these moments of like being at the party where it's just like, she just gets drunk and she's like, nothing matters. Like whatever, like screw everything. I'll get divorced. I don't care. So she kind of gets to the same place, but then she gets pulled out by, or partly by Wayman, by him loving Deidre and like just how all that shakes out. And then there, there are other ways too, but, but yeah, I think it's just interesting that they look at the same thing, but because they're coming at it with different motivations, like Evelyn's there to save her daughter. And so she has this motivation and this love, like really she's there from a sense of love And so in the rock scene, Evelyn doesn't have an answer for her, but what she does is like joy, they kind of talk and eventually joy like rolls off the cliff and Evelyn rolls off after her. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the answer is that it's Mm -hmm. like there wasn't any reasoning or logic or like some special solution, but the fact Mm -hmm. that the fact that, um, Joy was there on her own and she kind of got there in this way. Like somebody pushed her to that place. I think, and and it was Evelyn in this other universe, but the fact that this Evelyn is chasing after her, I think is part of what saves Evelyn from becoming like a different version of Jobu Tupaki. But then it also is what ends up saving Joy too, is that somebody is like pursuing her and coming after her and loves. And so it's not, this it's not the reasoning like there because there is no answer yeah. per se it's just that like that they're loving each other and they're like evelyn is pursuing her to create this connection. it's evelyn's presence yeah right mm-hmm. so like as there are rocks like you say and point out like evelyn doesn't have an answer mm-hmm. but evelyn's presence there leads joy to communicate it. That's yeah. joy opening up that's mm-hmm. joy being honest that's joy communicating something of her heart mm-hmm. And Evelyn's presence and being able to hear that and receive that is enough. Yeah. Right. It's not about having the answer. 
It's about being present. And she had to take a risk. It wasn't easy to mm-hmm. be there. She had mm-hmm. to take this real risk and get out of her comfort zone mm-hmm. to be at that place where joy could open up to mm-hmm. her. Because joy even says like, Evelyn's confused mm-hmm. by this silence. Right. And Joy's just like, yeah, conditions were never right for her life. On, you know, mm-hmm. and, and actually most of them are this. Mm-hmm. And Joy is saying how she likes to come here for exactly that reason. So Joy, by deduction, spends a lot of time as a rock in these uninhabited right, planets. Yeah, just random. Um, but the difference is Evelyn's there this time. And Joy is able to communicate that, mm-hmm. which, you know, is a neat depiction of that. And, I actually, um, one of my favorite little parts is like the last like 45 minutes or so because they set up all this and you end up with this like triangle relationship during Evelyn's transformation um, where she has her eyes open to Waymond and his love and kindness and how that's his way of fighting. And in this, because basically the antidote in all this is love. Mm-hmm. That's what Joy's missing. That's what Wayman is embodying. That's what Evelyn is undervaluing and overlooking. And so as she's like being touched by this and transformed, you end up with this triangle relationship where things are happening to Evelyn and Wayman's encouraging. And then Joy or Jobo Tsubaki is like scoffing, you know, and it's very kind of like, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, devil mm-hmm. person kind of mm-hmm. triangle. Um, and like going back to the the Chinese New Year thing with Deirdre mm-hmm. and Wayman goes and talks to Deirdre, somehow gets this miracle extension and Joy and Evelyn are outside or to whatever, Joe Butubaki. And Ray- Wayman communicates that he got the extension. Evelyn's just elated but like how right and and he's just like you know i I don't know and then what's joy's response it's a statistical anomaly Mm -hmm. it's over enough simulations over enough ways like this weird outcome it's just stop deriving meaning from Mm -hmm. it and you see that play out like even in you know that staircase scene with the the giant void and whatever like and Evelyn's learning how to fight with kindness and Joy's got these scoffing words. And I, I just, I love the triangle nature of it because mm. it, it also shows that push pull that we feel. It's one thing to just mm. say, Oh, the answer is love. Just love people. Right, yeah. Just repay evil with kindness. Oh, mm. you know, all it's about love. It's about turning the other cheek, but it's like, there's a, that's a complicated thing. Mm. <laughs> and, even if we are inclined to, to want that, there is that that voice pulling us the other way. And, you know, like, I had, it just slipped from my mind, but just different examples of, like, Evelyn would have this, like, elation moment where Wayman would break through. Right. And then Joy would be like, I've seen that. Like, yeah. it's going to wear off. And it, it was just it was giving voice to the skepticism, I think, we feel yeah. where we see people temporarily change yeah. and then revert back. And it's well, and true. Yeah. yeah. Or even having felt that because yeah. it can be hard to trust those. And th- and that's even like this deeper side of uh, despair where like even the good things right. that happen, you're like, well, it's not going to last. So what's the point of even right. like feeling this or even, and, th- and it can seep in. I mean, I, I think that's, fairly prevalent. I don't think that's a rare thing. And it shows how hard it is to reach 
yeah. people in that space mm-hmm. when everything, yep. there is a negative interpretation to anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even objectively good things that make you feel good there, you, you can still right. interpret them. And it's why how it's like, it's breaking through to Evelyn, but not joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just, I don't know. I just find it interesting as a parallel for like, you know, just even the Christian life or, or what it is, you know, to, to be touched by the spirit or to, to have it make sense, to be able to respond to it. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's something there. Yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to like figure out a better way to say what I was saying before. And I think what I was trying to say, and I think it ties into this is just that like, it can be easy to get lost in your own world and kind of sucked up in your own reality of like this black hole of like, well, everything's bad. And like, if every, like everything actually is bad and I'm the only one who sees that. And the only reason people don't think that things are as bad as I see them is because they don't see it the same way. Mm -hmm. And this movie shows really well that Evelyn is able to go to the same place that joy is, but then she's able to like pull joy out and she's able to pull herself out like through, or maybe not even pull herself out, but like with help, she's able to get out of that place. And yeah, I think it's the same. It's just, it's easy to get sucked into your own view that this is reality. And Mm -hmm. like, this is what people should be seeing where that's not actually true. And I think it's like a, a challenging thing especially if you're in that place to say, well, like what is actual reality and what do I need to be like shit? Like I feel this way, but how can I be shifting or how can I be even looking at other people who don't see this way and how can I be valuing them? Like Waymond kind of embodies that in this film. And yeah, I think that that's like, it's it's just such a, it's so hard to get out of. It's hard to reach people in that but there is, because if they feel like they're absolutely right, then it's hard to convince anybody otherwise. And it takes a little bit of give it. And it definitely takes some like willingness to be vulnerable. Cause even after all this, I think there's a version where joy just continues down her path of despair. And I think that that's just people sometimes, Mm -hmm. but the fact that like, I, I, I mean, it, it's, it shows this outcome where joy does turn around, which is like the ideal, but it is just, it's a lot of work and it is really, it's really hard, I guess. It's like, but it does take this entering into where she's at and, and listening to all these things that she's saying, but like continuing to pursue her through all of those, not just dismissing all of those things. And we've talked about this a lot, Tim, but it's helpful in the movie and yeah, even just in real life where like something will happen. You kind of feel like, okay, this is the answer that they're going to settle on. Like Wayman's like, Oh, can't we all just be nice to each other? And then you kind of get this, like they kind of all builds up and Evelyn's like, yeah, like that sounds good. Why did you know? And, and then joy comes in and is like, yeah, okay. I've been there before and like knocks it all down. And that happens two or three times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good, it's just that that you have to pursue people that are in that. You can't just give these trite answers and then expect that mm-hmm. to be satisfying to them. So what, um, for a movie that's everything, everywhere, all at once, <laughs> but if you were to go and just one one main theme or one 
maybe you would even have a different answer next week, but for today, mm-hmm. for this podcast right now, as you sit, just one way that you feel like the film interacts with the, the gospel or, or just what, what can be drawn out. Yeah. For me, uh, kind of what I said at the beginning, like what I'm meditating on most right now is it's the problem of pain and it's, kind of like I said, like, I love the themes of, of taxes and laundry. And I mm-hmm. think give it like buying a, um, a, a karaoke machine, probably not the biggest crime. Uh, like you were saying, Tim, but maybe, but maybe yeah. <laughs> but kind of vague. Her, yeah. her, her answers were vague. You know, was it really for, they used it in their parties, so right, like, yeah. uh, yeah. like at the business. So, yeah. which they were using to draw in the community. Um, so kind of vague, like how right or wrong was it? Don't know, probably not something that like by itself anyone's going to jail over, but you accumulate those things and all of a sudden you have stacks of receipts, they become a big problem. Same thing with laundry. Mm-hmm. You you neglect your laundry for a period of time, all of a sudden it's a big problem. And no single piece of dirty clothes by itself is, you know, a significant problem. But I think a lot of pain there is significant pain and there's traumatic pain and and, but even the things that, um, the pains that the movie is showing between uh, Joy and Evelyn and Evelyn and Wayman, a lot of those are kind of those types of pains that just accumulate mm, over time. Mm, yeah. And they're real and they matter, but the, and this, they're like the piles of tax receipts. You know, over time, it's like all of a sudden you've got a pile of them and they're a big problem altogether cumulatively. And I think like the gospel... It's, it solves our greatest problem. It, I think it also gives us hope. It's how we can have be those people who are content in the everyday. It's not only looking at, well, one day it's all going to be fixed. And so I just have to kind of hold on, grit my teeth, and make it to the end. I do think it, it gives hope in the everyday, uh, with the everyday hurts and pains. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to, like, accumulate like that. And they don't have to build up and, and like kind of manifest into these big hurts and wounds. And I think connected to that, you see the way that uh, pain can accumulate in our own lives, but it can also accumulate like generationally, mm. like in this movie, the way that Evelyn felt hurt by Gong Gong and then the way that she continued to hurt um, Joy and even Wayman. And I'm sure if the, if the movie showed you further back, there would be ways that Gong Gong was mm. hurt. He didn't just wake up and decide to be like that. Mm. And so pain can accumulate uh, in families kind of going forward like that. But I also think what's true is that when you find healing in the scripture, that that healing can also start mm-hmm. going forward into mm-hmm. your future generations. It doesn't only have to be pain that you're sending forward. Um, so those were kind of my mm. themes I've been thinking about through this movie. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think <clears throat> for me, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but well, I guess it's kind of that contentment, but then also like, how do we actually fight that? And it, it's just that quote from Wayman. Like, I just, I just really like that a lot. And I, I was kind of thinking about it. Like, I feel like I just growing up in the church, I feel like, oh, and I'm just naturally bent this way too. So I can't blame it on external, uh, well, you forces <laughs> or maybe I can <laughs> hold on. <Yeah. laughs> maybe I can. Yeah. Um, probably not truthfully <laughs> fully blame it on external forces, but just the idea that like, 
we kind of as the church or like as God's people are bringing like a severity almost to the world of like, mm. oh, the world is like, like there's some, I don't know, whatever. People talk about it a lot, but just like the world is kind of, you know, going to crap, but like people are just kind of like partying and having a good time. And like, there's that kind of like narrative, which is like maybe not necessarily untrue. I mean, I think there's some truth to that where like we are called to, and Jesus does come and he, and he very much says like, there's going to be judgment. Like you need to take things seriously. But then there's also this freedom and kind of the, the wayman side of it of like, we need to, we, we need to like love people and we need to, and the only way to do that is to be able to see the good things in people and just, just see, just be able to enjoy life and like enjoy all the good things that God does give us. And, and that's like a really important thing. And I think that ties into contentment of like, if you feel like you're always having to be doing something and you're always having to be like working for God and you're always having to be like talking to people and basically everything that you do is never enough because there's always more people or just more things that need to be done. Even if you kind of put this tag of like, oh, well, it's for God on top of it, you're never going to be, you're never going to feel that like satisfaction of of God. And I've, I've been thinking a lot about just the different times that Jesus says stuff like, you know, all who, all you who are, uh, like, I forgot the like weary and heavy laden. Yeah. Like come to me and I'll give you rest. And just the, like, if you were in me, like, I, I want you to have joy and to have it abundantly and like to have life. And just to like, to not, even when he says on the Sermon on the Mount of like, he explicitly says, don't worry about tomorrow, but we take it as like a Christian practice to be so prepared and so put together, like financial security is like almost this, this like virtue in the American church now, which is good. It's not bad at all. But if you look at Jesus's words on it, he just says, don't be worried about tomorrow. And maybe you could argue whatever. There's a side of being like financially stable. So you don't have to worry, but they're just, I, I think there's so much in it where Jesus is saying be kind of what you were saying earlier, Tim, of like, basically just relax. Like God's got it. Like I've got it. You, I have these things for you to do, but at the end of the day, like I'm not dependent on them. And I think we act a lot of time, like, cause we want to feel important. So a lot of times we put it in our head, like God is dependent on those things that we can do. And I, I think I've just, and that goes with contentment because if you're always striving, you're never going to be content. And, and so I don't know, that's something that I've been trying to come to terms with of like, well, what does contentment actually look like and how does that play out? And it's funny because it, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not as easy as just saying it. Like you really have to come to a lot of understanding, or at least for me, it's not an easy place to get to because I am more of an Evelyn. And so there's just, there's just a lot of letting go. I think that I have to go through and a lot of letting go of things that are good. Like what Evelyn's doing, those are all good things. Like they're helping, she's cooking for her dad. She's cooking for her family. You know, she's like taking care of this tax audit. That is a lot of work. And honestly, <laughs> Wayman probably couldn't handle it. Like he, he probably couldn't like, it's yeah. a lot of work. And so like her logistical way of looking at things is really helpful it's just that if you get totally locked into that, it really it leads to death essentially. And so like you need that balance. And I think for me, it's 
coming over from an Evelyn side to more of a Wayland side, Wayman side. Um, and then just one more short thing. I love this line. It stuck out to me. I think I didn't even notice it the first time because there's just so much stuff. But the second time I watched it, Wayman has this line where he says, um, he who loves much mm -hmm. regrets, or I think he's, he who loves the most regrets the most. And I, man, I, I love that line because it, it just, there's so many truths in that where we as humans, like it's hard to live without regret. I guess I should have brought this up during the regret part of it, but I totally forgot about it. <laughs> if only there was yeah, a time yeah. where you would ask a question about regret. Are but you, it, you're regretting that now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dang it. I just have more, more regrets now. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just, it's hard to live without regret if you're actually trying something and love it. You need to try, you need to be out doing things. And so it can feel hard to love because to love somebody, you have to like interact with people and you have to like go through awkward things and inevitably you're going to mess up. And then you're, if you do love them, you're going to regret that you maybe hurt somebody or whatever it was. But the answer isn't just to pull away and to like say, well, I'm never going to, because I regret that or just like, I don't want to do that again. I'm going to pull away so that, that never happens. It's just part of accepting living in a fallen world that you are going to do things that you wish you hadn't. But at the end, like, at least you were trying, at least you're interacting with that person, you know, at least you were close enough to them to like hurt them in a way. Cause if you're, if you just are completely walled off, it's that C.S. Lewis quote that we talk about a lot. Like if you're completely walled off, then yeah, you're not going to hurt and you're not going to hurt anybody else, but also like you're essentially just killing yourself and like, you're not going to live, you're going to end up where joy ends up in this movie. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, all of that, like the way the Wayman fights and just his quote of like anybody who loves is going to regret things and that's okay. I did. I, I just, I love all of that. And just, yeah, there's just, I don't know if I tied like the gospel explicitly into that, but I feel like there's, I feel like I did enough. So <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I can't do everything for you people. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, I can't carry this entire podcast. We're operating on a pass-fail, not, not a grade, so we'll allow it. I think for me, um, I guess watching it last night, what really grabbed me and just, I don't know, I, I just, my, my heart went out, almost seeing joy in I guess as expressed through Jabu Tupaki, but like as a stand in for like modern humanity or certainly mm -hmm. like modernist yeah. thinking, um, almost like God's dead or, or just sort of have moved beyond the need of God. And um, we possess so much knowledge at our fingertips and, you know, with the way that the everything bagel represents and the despair in confusion and loneliness, um, you know, our, our modern rejection of authority, our modern sort of uh, propping up of head knowledge um, and trying to put rationality above all, that kind of thing. Um, and like we were saying earlier in the podcast, like I respect the like, honest, straightforward, clear-eyed mm. version of that. Um, and I think it accurately describes the problem. Um, 
and I was just moved because what changed Evelyn wasn't this like powerful argument that Wayman made. Um, and Wayman in, in the end of the film kind of, he, he does represent in, I guess, gospel language if we're sort of applying that lens. He, he's this figure of grace. He, he's this figure of, uh, of love and kindness and forgiveness um, of counterintuitive uh, responses. Like in, in kind of like the world as it naturally exists, it's like, whoever's strongest wins, uh, whoever can manipulate and, and, you know, just use whatever tools or whatever kind of to, to overcome to, if you're punched, you punch back. Um, and, and Wayman is, it's counterintuitive, right? And, and he, he fights with kindness. It's not being naive, but if, if grace is unmerited favor, like when Evelyn's being mean or condescending or rude to women, like if you think about it, like over the entirety of their decades together, that's a lot of stuff he absorbed. Mm -hmm. And I actually go back, I was talking to my wife about this last night. Like it goes back to, I think your pioneering of the, the term pain sponge. Mm -hmm. Like the gospel enables us to be like pain sponges. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pain and brokenness in the world. And even we're part of that. Um, but the gospel enables us to to soak it up mm -hmm. um, because ultimately we soak it up for, for Jesus. We, we soak it up because Jesus ultimately soaked it up. Like he's sort of the, the big sponge <laughs> We're delegated small sponges of his big sponge. And that sounds like a lot of sponges, but <laughs> also uh, like a weird cult. Also a weird cult. Yeah. <laughs> but because in Christ and, and because of the gospel, we're freed from having life be about us. And like where joy is locked is that she has the entirety of human knowledge at her fingertips and she can experience everything at once, every possibility, every universe, every permutation at once and finds no meaning in any of it. Um, and it isn't until she's touched by grace because mm. grace can't be, learned it has to be experienced she has to be touched she has to you know so evelyn at first joy doesn't see it can't see it it's it's sort of that like chain reaction right like because evelyn was in a similar spot but mm -hmm. but evelyn is sort of touched by the the grace touched by kindness touched by the unmerited because even watching it last night like Evelyn stabs Wayman with a shard of glass. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I think yeah. until Cause she, she goes night. through that yeah. dark period and yeah. you know, it shows her unmasking the Rekakuni. Like, yeah. like she, she does all these, like she, she kind of finds defeat mm -hmm. and then lashes out mm -hmm. in, in all these different universes. And she's just lashing out and doing hurtful things. And it culminates in like, she stabs Wayman mm -hmm. with a, you know, shard of glass and he doesn't, retaliate and mm -hmm. he you know it's his plea is for her to be kind mm -hmm. um and i think she's she's touched by that she's transformed by that grace transforms her and so even and then you see her start to to learn that right because you start this fight sequence and you see her fist clench because she sees everything coming up and she's marshalling her way of fighting and then you see it cuts to Wayman pleading, like mm -hmm. Evelyn, don't. Right. You know? Yeah. 
And then she goes and she unclenches and then you just see her. It's, it's silly and goofy and she's, people are coming at her with hostility and then she's fighting, mm. but she's fighting by like healing, mm. you know, in, in small ways. Right. And so, you know, the person with the injured neck, she does it and corrects his neck. And the person who, the guy with the perfume and she sprays the perfume, you know, just Wait, all these small ways. Go ahead. And one thing I want to say, I didn't notice this until last night, but I thought it was really cool. There's the scene where she, she, there's the bullets they shoot out of her and she's like able to stop them. And that turns into the Google eye. Right. And she puts the Google eye on her forehead and that was her, that was her like taking on, it's like a symbolizing and showing in a physical way, her taking on the grace that Wayman has. Cause Wayman yeah. is the one who puts the Google eyes everywhere. And she's like taking on that absurdity and his way of fighting. And she says something like, I'm learning to fight the way that you right. do. And I, I thought that was really cool. I didn't really get that until yeah. yesterday. And I was like, dang, I like that. Yeah. And it, it's similar to that Hindu concept of like the third eye, Yeah, you know, mm. um, but it is, it's a new way. It's seeing like, if we believe as Christians, there's a spiritual battle and spiritual realm that we're blind to in our physical state, but it's every bit real. It's like kind of symbolizing her awareness mm. of this, like what Raymond Wayman's been dealing with basically or aware of mm. this whole time. And, like the gospel does, you know, I, I kind of use the term pain sponge before, but in a certain way makes us bulletproof um, with words, you know, like obviously not right. If someone fires a gun, <laughs> the gospel's not going to make my skin you know, impermeable, but the way that we crave acceptance or crave respect or crave different things from different people such that their words can inordinately hurt us if we know how loved and accepted we are in Christ, it makes us so we don't need, we still do in our flesh. And so it's a struggle, <clears throat> but in like a pure sense, we have the ability to, to not have to, to be hurt in the same way by even words that are meant to injure. And that rather than retaliate, we're able to, to have them turn into googly. Like words that are meant to be bullets can effectively be, converted into googly eyes and we can rather than having to respond in kind we have the ability to show grace where hostility is shown to us because mm -hmm. of what christ we were hostile to christ you know it's 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 a delegated downstream version of what we are the recipients of so having been recipients of it we can then be purveyors of it um and i think you see that displayed and then ultimately it is like, like joy is trying to go into the oblivion and, and cease existence. And you see, you know, Evelyn and then Gong Gong and the, like the whole multi-generational mm -hmm. like kind of pulling her back. And it's a neat picture of that, mm. like spiritual battle. Um, but ultimately like the power of grace, not as an intellectual construct to explain to joy how there's meaning, but love like ultimately transforms and that, and I love how it's not a neat picture It's at the very end, even when they sort of reconcile, it's not that they hashed mm. out all their problems. Right, yeah. It's just that we are committing to loving each other through it. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be fits and starts and there's going to be hurts and everything, but we're going to allow love to like fill all the cracks and infuse everything. And that with that, comes mutual understanding and like a willingness to, to meet each other where they are. Um, and I think like the gospel is like the foundation yeah. uh, of that kind of thing.
Well, and I love that at the end, Evelyn still says like kind of hard things. Yeah. And I just, I love that because at least I was raised as like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That was a very prevalent saying in my household. And I mean, no offense, mom and dad, but I think that is like, <laughs> I think it's horrible to say that. I, I think that's so, so bad. <laughs> like Aaron's scanning through like, <laughs> What? <laughs> he's got everything everywhere yeah, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think it's... He just had a thousand different shards of glass. <laughs> yeah, I know. Aaron's looking at me side-eyed right now. I well, just, I'm wondering, what? how come you didn't learn it? Like, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't seem to stick. Well, maybe I just knew better. <laughs> I guess so. Well, no, I think I do that in a lot of ways. I yeah. think I filter, I filter myself a lot. Mm. And it ends up with me just like putting walls up. And so like, yeah. I'm not saying mean things, but also like a lot of people don't really know me, I would say. And I've like, it's, that's something that's hard to undo. And mm-hmm. so I love that she is saying these things. And I, I wrote down just after watching it, like refraining from saying what you're thinking, that's not loving. Like so, sometimes it can be, but like really being loving is just being honest. And there, there's definitely like ways to do that in a more loving way or a less loving way. But if you're holding yourself back from somebody, that's not a real relationship. And I just, so I just, I love that they showed that, that like there is going to be some tension and there's like hard things and people are going to say things, but it's really about the, like the loving part of it is just that you're all committing to wrestling those things out together. Mm -hmm. And that's what being a family Mm -hmm. actually is. It's not, you never fight. Because that's impossible. So what actually being a loving family is, is committing to fighting through the things that you need to fight through and fighting for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's because if it's about you, then you need to cut off other people to Mm -hmm. protect you. Right. But if it's about the family Mm -hmm. or it's just even what we're talking about yesterday, like in, in, Ephesians five, where it says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Like when you take the self-centeredness out of it and you're in community, like in Christian community, we don't, we can be honest because it's in reverence to Christ. Mm. We're pursuing truth. We're pursuing each other's well being. We're not trying to manipulate and use others in community for our well being, And like that transformation is what allows like, healing and thriving in, in like robust community with flawed people to take place. And I think that's like what the gospel compels and empowers, even if we fall short often. Um, because if it's all about us and our needs, no family or no community or no group of people will be able to withstand failure or withstand Mm, trial because the moment adversity happens, it fractures because Mm. if I'm unsafe, then I need to, right. It's about me ultimately. That's not to say there aren't times where you put up walls or put like, I'm not, there are, except, you know, and there's, you can nuance it plenty more, but Mm. in a general sense, it's, it's how it has to be like, yeah, we can go. I just, yeah, I just think in general, generally, we need more honesty and yeah. more willingness to like argue through things and yeah. not less. I agree. That's, yeah, in our culture. Yeah, at least. Rating time. Let's do it. 
You can see Aaron's starting to fade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those were inside he's, eyes. He's Maybe going gong gong. Sleepy eyes. eyes that yeah. he was giving me earlier. I was like, you're still talking. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. <laughs> it's not everything everywhere all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All at once. All yeah. at once. One <laughs> moment. In. Yeah. One moment. I was thinking about this today and... I am nominating, and I'm by no means demanding this, but I am nominating Paper Cuts. Yeah. Oh, I actually thought about that earlier. So <laughs> yeah, that's confirmed. a good one. Okay. The most cringy part of the entire movie it is, is the Paper Cuts. Yeah, it is rough. <laughs> yeah, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. I mean, I'd, I'd give it everything... I don't paper know cuts all that. over your yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything, everywhere, paper cuts. Ian's gonna bleed to death. With paper <laughs> yeah, cuts. with all the paper cuts. Uh, yeah, I mean, five stars, five paper cuts. Just so easily. Yeah, I had the same reaction whenever I watched this. I was like, "This is the best movie I'm gonna watch." It was the best movie that I had seen in a very long time. I felt like, and especially just watching it even by myself without talking to anybody else. As soon as it ended, it was like, this is the best movie I've seen for a long time and probably the best movie I will see for a while. And I, after watching it more times and talking about it more, I just think that even more about this movie. So, I mean, there's, I feel like we say this a lot, but there's so many other things that we could talk about. Mm -hmm. And even just, I feel like, a couple of the things that we pulled out, if a movie just did, you know, like one or two right. of those things, well, it would have been like, oh, it shows how to like work through marriage really well. Like that would be a great yeah. movie. And the, the fact that it's able to do so many things so well is I just all of the accolades that I could give. I'm, I'm giving them right now. Yeah. Uh, same five paper cuts and along the lines of what you said already, it's just for a movie that it just seems to run the the full spectrum of being massive and, and overwhelmed, like everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, but then it has, it has heart and it, mm-hmm. it is, it's not so like, it's not like space where it's just this massive overwhelming like thing and you can't get your arms around it and like, at its core, it does have heart, and it's about a family and very relatable family dynamics. And um, they're trying to pay their taxes. <laughs> they're trying to uh, find contentment in their life. Um, yeah, so five five paper cuts. If you can do all that, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. No surprise. Uh, I if five's the limit, I give it five. Yeah, five yeah. plus. You know, it's. Um, my favorite movie of the year. I think it's probably my favorite movie of the decade so far. I think it's definitely in my personal all-time top 10 um, somewhere in there. And it's what I said earlier. Like, I reward movies that aim high and pull it off. Yeah. And this movie aims super high <laughs> and pulled it off. And there's a lot of risk and a lot of ways this could have failed horribly. Uh, and it landed. Um, and... All the different genres that are represented. I was like, just thinking that. You were saying that last yeah, night. It's yeah. so many different genres. It's it's sci-fi. It's a marriage movie. It's a generational movie. It's uh, a rom-com, comedy. It's a rom-com. Yeah. It's action. Kung yeah. Fu. Like we didn't even talk about like the, the Kung Fu scene with the fanny pack. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like, one of my favorite The fight scenes. So that, good, you know, yeah. even like the parallels with Michelle Yeoh's like life. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I mean, she was the career. crouching tiger yeah. person mm-hmm. and 
I think forsake for or like kind of the sort of ordinary life, whatever. There's all kinds of parallels to even her personal life. Um, but like in a way that she was born to play it. Um, it's just having all those mashed together and not wash out is borderline miraculous. Mm. And so I, I just admire the movie as much as I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it a lot, but I admire it a lot. And I can't say that about very many yeah. films. And so it's a good one. Yeah. So recommendation time. Recommendation. And- <laughs> There's only one one movie that's as big as this movie. <laughs> and I think we all know what it is. <laughs> I actually can see a lame is connection. Oh, I, yeah. That's a, I I I'm pretty sure I could draw a layman's connection <laughs> to basically any movie. There, there is. There's so much. I mean, like this movie. I wasn't even going to do gonna this. just going to start looping this every time. <laughs> like this movie. Like, it's just, it has everything. It has the whole human experience. It just it doesn't have any multiverse no stuff. Yeah. I want more kung fu. But it does have, well, I guess not the movie. I, I guess I think I'm thinking about the book, too. But it has a lot of has the whole battle of Waterloo in, in the book. <laughs> so that's kind of like multiverses. Uh, no, but sometimes I don't like going first for the recommendations, but this time I do like going first cause I'm just going to take it. I think that it is so hard to come up with one for this, but I would say if you want this, but not as weird and maybe you want it to be a little bit more heady or like if you, if you like the idea of it, but you just, you kind of want to go a step further, I would say then tree of life. Yeah. It's just the a movie that understands telling a human story like from a family perspective, but then blowing that up into these giant questions and like the grace and versus the in Tree of Life, it's like the way of grace and the way of nature, but it's kind of like Evelyn and Waymond and yeah, Tree of Life is I think one of what it's one of the only movies that I could think of that is as ambitious as this and pulls it off and just has an as much to say about the world and God and humans and how we're interacting with things and how it's hard, but there's also hope, but it's hard to nail down exactly what that is. And yeah, it just, it does a great job in so many ways. And then I also, this one's a little bit more tenuous, but I do have another one. (laughs) I couldn't really figure out exactly why I was thinking of it. But I was thinking about the rider, mm. Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. It's just the maybe it's kind of the family aspect, but just the it it doesn't have any of the sci-fi stuff. It's a pretty simple movie. Um, but just like I guess, just kind of like the contentment and kind of the coming to terms with who you are, and kind of like looking at the world and seeing it as hard, and seeing hard things happen to people that you care about, but then being able to come out on the other side as a, it just shows this transformation of this young man, like trying to figure out who he is. And yeah, there's, there's a way where that leads to despair, but then there's a way where that there's hope there too. And it does that in a similar, I mean, maybe not a similar way, but it, that transition I think is similar. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's a great movie. I mm. want to watch that again. I haven't seen yeah. it since, I think since we watched it a long time yeah. ago. No, it's good. <clears throat> Yeah, no, those are good. I'm like listening to you talk. I'm like really curious what Terrence Malick would feel about mm. a movie featuring yeah. butt plugs being compared <laughs> to Tree of to Life. Tree of Life. I kind of want him to be like cool with that. Yeah. 
Because like everything you say makes sense. Right, I'm not, right, I'm not right. dogging your recommendation. It's just funny because, yeah, like they're so similar in the ways that you're saying they're similar, but they're so different. I'd be interested just what he thought in general. Yeah. I, I, mean, I bet he'd like it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'd be interested just what he thinks of this movie. We'll send it to him. We'll yeah. send it to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See what he thinks of this episode. Um, I'm kicking myself. I had one. And this is where not writing things down <laughs> bites me. But um, I'm shooting from the hip here. Um, I just thought of uh, Princess Bride. Oh, wow. And I was <laughs> thinking right. the, I think part of what this movie shows as well, that Princess Bride shows is the power of story. Like we talk about parables and just sometimes your own life, it's too personal. It's too close mm. to home to to really like make sense of it, to make head or tails of it. And sometimes the power of things like parables, stories, they're able to help you like kind of get over that hump and understand life and see things. And I think that's played out in everything everywhere all at once by her living or her getting to see these different dimensions and getting to see the story of her own life in kind of different ways. It kind of helps her understand the, you know, the, the life that she starts the movie with more. And, um, I think if you like that kind of thing, Princess Bride has a you know a similar dynamic with the kid. Um, mm. He doesn't he doesn't like he doesn't like kind of the worldview of the story of Princess Bride when his grandpa first starts reading it to him. Um, but something about story kind of helps transform the mm. kid and just help him see the world differently and appreciate it more. So there you go. Those are really funny. Yeah, it's also funny. <laughs> It's not just the Princess by recommendation. It's that Aaron's stepping outside of the actual movie and bringing it back to like the fact that it's a grandpa telling the grandson a yeah. story. That's an extra layer. Yeah, that's, that's pretty right. good. That is not what I was just. <laughs> just yeah. I was like, I got to come that, up with something. That's, that's, that's a deep pull right there. I, I, I respect that. <laughs> My record, I was struggling, um, and mine's kind of just a quirk of, of coincidence, um, which I know Joy would affirm. <laughs> yeah. um, I was telling you guys last night, I, I just saw a list of, of movies that reflected Lent, and it was mm -hmm. a movie called Lucky that I'd never heard of from 2017, by uh, directed by John Carroll Lynch, who's best known in this podcast as Norm Gunderson from mm -hmm. Fargo. Um, steps. Now he's making movies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's a very, um, it is the absolute polar opposite of this movie. Um, but it is grappling with the same Nothing, concept. Yeah. <laughs> it's never it's, forever. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's also grappling with nihilism. Hmm. Uh, in the movie, it, it's a super small, very modest, it's a movie that, that whispers and gently guides mm. rather than shouts or shoves or, or preaches. But it's about this 90 year old guy named Lucky who uh, is kind of a, a nihilist and, and lives that way. Um, and not to any kind of dramatic, mm. you know, anything, but it, it's a little bit of a slice of life um, and a little bit of how he grapples with some of the dilemmas of, of nihilism uh, and how he just sort of some of the compromises and just the way you kind of work it out, believing it, but still only half believing it in some ways and some of the contradictions that you just sort of gloss over. Um, 
and it's just, it's a very humble, very, I, I liked it a lot. Um, even if it is quiet. Um, but I do think it's, if you, I'm keying in on the, the nihilistic kind of slice of, of this movie. And in that way, the, the two films are similar or at least, you know, kind of exploring similar grounds from like a similar perspective, I would say. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. it's, it's worth seeing. I think so. It's my, it's not as good as Princess Bride, but <laughs> <laughs> not everything can. That's my yeah. new lame is. I'm going to, yeah, yeah, just everything recommend it for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, I think this podcast is now longer than the movie, which yeah. is our benchmark. Uh, yeah, it is. And so um, <laughs> with that, I guess our task is complete. <laughs> and so I guess join us next week when we continue our march through uh, Oscar-nominated Best Picture films. Well, Oscars are coming up, too. Yeah, March 12th. Yeah. So we're, I think we have two more we're going to do. Okay. And so, I'm excited. They're going to yeah. be. Yeah. So, yeah. I, Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> See you then. You're flipping through the channels late at night. Looking for a movie. Yeah, you're doing it right. Called up Tim. I called up Ian. I wanted to know which movie are we seeing? Cause some make you laugh and some make you cry. I want to know. Are your thoughts like mine?